LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. I don't want to eat for a fortnight. I've decided I ate so much over the weekend that I'm now, I've ballooned beyond any shadow of doubt. I really was absolutely terrible. I don't normally eat lunchtime, but twice over the weekend I ate lunchtime restaurants, and I've decided I can't do it. I can only eat once a day now, and just probably sort of marmoset food or something like that, perhaps a, a lettuce leaf and a piece of carrot. But uh, I did lunch in town on Friday with a friend of mine, which was very nice. Uh, not particularly boozy lunch, a couple of glasses of wine, in fact, I think little little half a carafe, which was okay for lunchtime. Went back home, had a little sleep, and then off to a, the opening of a restaurant in Twickenham, a burger place. Okay, so-so. And, uh, and, then, and then had Chinese, and there it all went wrong, I'm afraid. <laughs> this was the, the disaster that was Steve Allen, because we'd had some, we'd had some wine at the restaurant in the evening, and, uh, and then we went on to a pub afterwards. So there's a, a few of us. And I then decided, as one does, I think I want to go home. And so I said, I've got to go. I said, I'm so tired. I've got to go home. I was up really early this morning. I've had a little bit of sleep, but I, I need to go back to bed and get some more sleep. So on the way back, from, so I said, little kissy kissy and, you know, speak to you tomorrow morning, blah, 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 blah. Walked home and I got halfway home and I thought... I've got this craving for Chinese food. <laughs> I don't know why. I've just had a burger, but I was craving. So I go and get sweet and sour chicken, sweet and sour pork, and char siu pork, which is that thinly sliced pork over sort of uh, bean sprouts or whatever else. I can't remember what it was over. Anyway, it was all very nice indeed. So I take it home, and I thought to myself, because, you know, if, if you're having a Chinese, you're sitting there by yourself, there's no point in putting it all in different dishes, because that's a bit stupid. You know, I'm not sitting in the restaurant. So I pour it all into one dish. The whole lot. So it's in a nice dish. And uh, I've discovered that if, if you buy these cheap little um, tinfoil plates, like, like the, the type that the food comes in, you could just throw it away afterwards. And there's no washing up. What a godsend. So that's what I did. Poured it all in there. It's all very nice indeed. And then I promptly fell asleep. And unfortunately, when I fell asleep, because I had it resting on my legs, obviously my legs opened for reasons best known to themselves. Try and, try, and, try and get this image, I'm afraid. It's not a good image. It's not a good image. <laughs> not the best of times. And, um, and, so, and, and also, I've taken my jeans off. OK, I've taken my jeans off. So I'm sitting Because I'm relaxing at home. If there was a fire, it would be a problem. But there was no fire. And I fall asleep and I wake up. My legs have opened and I've emptied the sweet and sour chicken, the sweet and sour pork and the char siu pork over the settee. Now, my settee is red. Okay, so I've now got all this sauce over it. To make matters worse, it's dripped onto the floor, onto my Chinese rug. I've got this huge Chinese uh, oval rug, which is dragons and everything else. It's beautiful. It's sort of red and black and and all the and and now it's it, now it's got half a ton of sweet and sour sauce on it. So that that wasn't the bad bit. The bad bit was standing up and realizing that my my underwear is soaked with sweet and sour sauce, which, as you know is very sticky and very orangey. And so I start, go, oh, no. You know, you look as though you've hemorrhaged in between sort of falling asleep and waking up again. So I stand up, only to then realise that it's running down my legs as well. So this is, this is not a good look on a Saturday. So I then have to sort of go to the kitchen, I have to, you know, wring out cloths and everything else, mop it all up off the settee, put a towel on it, dry it out, get the hairdryer. Didn't get the hairdryer, couldn't be bothered, to be honest. And uh, mopped it up off the carpet, threw all the rest of the food away, that was fine. And luckily I had a big, big towel 
wrapped everything up in that and then sort of threw it in the washing machine. I thought, right, that'll stay in the washing machine. Go to the bathroom and suddenly realised that the, that the red sauce, the orange sauce, which seems to permeate everything, was now running down the back of my legs. And it's not an attractive look. So I then decided I wasn't going to have Chinese again that weekend, but I did. Because I had it on the Saturday as well, which didn't help. Anyway, so uh, all in all, a very exciting weekend. Uh, did watch television, did watch the film Behind the Candelabra, the Liberace story. Very interesting. The one thing that struck me was that, and, and we only came up with this theory the other day, the film is, is very good. It deals with Liberace, who was a big star in Las Vegas. He earned a lot of money. He was a, a piano player from Wisconsin. Um, he was gay. He was very flamboyant. He was called Mr. Showmanship. And the idea was that each contract said he had to be more outrageous with the costumes and the rings. And everything. But if you actually itemise the show, it was, it was a very simple show. He came on, he played the piano, the piano turned round. He had some cheap dancing waters at the back. And uh, he'd bring on some dancers from Paraguay, whatever it was. It was a cheap Vegas show. But at the time, it was, it was geared around him for the clothes that he wore. The film behind the candelabra is based on the relationship he had with a guy called Scott. Scott was taken, and they airbrushed this bit out of history. He was taken by Cary Grant, because Cary Grant, as you know, swung. He was, he was uh, both sides of the fence. And he took him to see the Liberace show. Scott was working in a, as a, a veterinarian's assistant. Uh, Lee had a problem with one of his dogs, and so he said, well, I'll, I'll get this ointment. We've got this ointment, and it cures up poodles and does all sorts. Anyway, so whatever it was. So he then phones Lee, says, I've got this stuff, I'll put it in the post, and Lee goes, well, you don't need to bother about that. Why don't you fly out here? So, of course, he flew him out here. Now, you should have seen the warning signs, you know, when somebody says fly out here. This is a, this is a very, very gay, flamboyant performer. Anyway, Scott flies out, and, uh, and then he sort of he moves in. He basically becomes the next Liberace boyfriend. And as with all of Liberace's boyfriends, they were there for a certain amount of time. He put them in the shows, and then when he tired of them, he, he just went on to somebody else. He was very generous. He bought them, you know, rings, and they had all sorts of things. Unfortunately, Scott turned to, uh, to cocaine because he could see that Liberace was going off him. And it's, it's so well done, the film. It's very clever. At one point, though, Michael Douglas does play the piano. He actually can play, because it credits him at the very end. Uh, but the one thing that they don't do, they don't, if anybody who's ever followed Liberace knows, it's his catchphrases. Liberace was known for the... He would use the same lines in every show. He'd look at the audience and go, I may not be good, but I got guts. And he'd do that, and he'd go, you want to see the rings? You should. You paid for them. That kind of stuff. And, but some of the lines they've changed in the film. And I said to a friend of mine yesterday, I said the only thing that was odd was that they changed some of his, his catchphrases. And a friend of mine said, has it ever occurred to you that his catchphrases might be copyright with the Liberace Foundation? And I said, well, that's never even crossed my mind. It's very clever, though, the film. Very clever, but sad at the end. Liberace dies of, a, of an AIDS-related illness. And uh, they made a documentary on the television because they had him embalmed quite quickly. He died, and they got him embalmed, and the coroner of Las Vegas, a rather evil man, as far as I'm concerned, decided he was going to have his, uh, his time in the limelight. And so as Liberace's body was being taken across the desert for burial, the coroner, evil little man, went, bring him back. And they made the hearse turn round and come back because he wanted an autopsy. He wanted to prove that Liberace had died of something other than a watermelon diet. And that's why he was an evil little 
so-and-so. He really was. I, I loathed him from the moment I first saw him. Because, you know, Liberace by that time, big star. It didn't make any difference to anybody what he died of. It made no difference, you know, whether or not he was gay or whether he was straight or whether he swung from chandeliers. I couldn't care less. But this evil evil person decided that they were calling him back but because the body had been embalmed it was a bit more difficult to find out what he died of so they had to do skin tissue and stuff like that but either either, either way there was then an autopsy and i'm told and i'm so glad i've not seen them, that there are pictures of of him on the coroner's slab because they take pictures of autopsies and as far as i'm concerned that's sort of the ignominious end isn't it to somebody who was a big star and then ends up on a slab, you know, with their chest opened up and everything else, so they could take out the little bits and pieces. And you think, you know, it was so unnecessary. It didn't need, didn't need to be done at all. And I think Liberace would be sitting up there on his cloud going, what have you done to me? You know, he was never a bad person. He was, you know, he was just a bloke who lived for playing the piano. Never played at home, though. Never played at home. He couldn't bear to play at home. He learnt how to play the piano and he played professionally. But like me, me going home and doing an interview with the milkman or something like that, you know. Because that's what I do for a living. I talk to people and I, I do a programme, you know. If I have a long conversation with the postman, you know, seen as part of the programme. But it was, it was a very interesting film. It was just that there were certain bits of it. You felt a bit sad at the end. And the houses have fallen into disrepair. They're trying to, you know, the museum is no, no longer there. That's all gone into mothballs. The costumes still exist. But they do a documentary on the on the making of the film and that was the interesting bit with Michael Douglas and they they showed you some of Liberace's original costumes saying there was no way that Michael Douglas could have worn these in the film because they were too heavy i mean they weighed a ton they weighed an absolute ton but that's what Liberace did there's there's been nobody like him at all you know there are other people in Las Vegas but there's there's nobody that did what Liberace was doing you know, he was always trying to say, you know, people would say, it's only women that go to your shows. He went, no, no, some men too. And, uh, and there were, there were, you know, husbands, I think, who got dragged there by their wives. So that was, uh, that was interesting. So I, I liked that. Then I watched The X Factor and then I assumed that Sharon Osbourne was either on some sort of medication or she was drunk. Because they have a bloke coming on to sing called uh, Nicholas MacDonald. He's only 16 and he sings a Robbie Williams song. And um, I can't remember what it was. I think it was called She's the One. So they have Louis Walsh. Let me just set the scene. So they've got a 16-year-old boy, OK? Louis Walsh there, and he says, you have to sing this song this week, but you've got to understand how it works. And then he says to him, have you ever been in love? He's 16. And he says, no, I've never been in love. Which I thought was a bit, little bit personal. Anyway, so they have this 16-year-old lad who looks about 14 singing on the television. She's the one, the Robbie Williams song. And as he's singing, standing there with his microphone, uh, they've got these girls who walk out there. It was a bit like sort of bring on the day of the dead. They sort of walk through. And then at the very end of the song, this woman comes on with blonde hair and, uh, and he kisses her. And she sort of, you know, plays up to him and that, that kind of stuff, which is OK. It was totally unnecessary. Didn't need any of it. Sharon Osbourne, Sharon Osbourne then goes into some peculiar loony woman rant about this woman being a paedophile. I sat there in disbelief, thinking, why is this not... Be and they repeated it. When the show was repeated, they left it in. They did not cut it out at all. And apparently ITV have given her a, a dressing down, and so they should have done. There should have been a, an immediate apology. And to put it out on the repeat, I mean, head should roll on it immediately. Because she then goes, who is this pedo? And I'm thinking, are you making light of something here? 
You know, especially with all the, the publicity that we've, we've got in the papers about various people. And, uh, and here is this stupid, over-made-up old fat bird coming up with this word and banding it around like it's the sort of language they use all the time. Very, very embarrassing. Anyway, fans of Blaster. I mean, some t- I mean, you had to look at her thinking, are you on something, love? Are you on something? I mean, you know, are you like your husband? Are you, are you got a bit barking mad? I don't know why she came up with it or anything like that, or why Gary... Gary Barlow didn't say anything to her as well. Wholly inappropriate behaviour, wholly inappropriate wording, and uh, shame on you, Sharon, shame on you for, uh, for lowering the tone of the programme. Although the one thing we did discover at the end of the programme is hardly any of these poor creatures can sing. I mean, it was so embarrassing. They have some bloke on... Well, I'll tell you about him in a moment, actually, because uh, he's all over the internet. He, he should be all over the internet because he's from Essex and he's taken his clothes off for cancer and everything else. And he's not as unknown to people as you might imagine. Welcome to Monday morning. Horrible, isn't it? Vile. There's no way you can get excited about Monday morning. You know, it doesn't matter whether you're setting off on your journey to come into work, or you work on a, on a radio station, or you're going to come in, you think, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I'll listen to Steve Allen. Oh, makes me better. I feel so much better about life. Somebody else being bitter on the radio is always very good, I think. Certainly good for ratings. Anyway, so, we watched The X Factor. Uh, Sharon... Osborne using wholly inappropriate language. Wholly inappropriate language. In fact, I, I, and as I say, first time round, I thought, OK, fine. Uh, second time round, when they repeated it, I thought, no, this is, this is wrong. There'll be official complaints going into ITV. So anyway, so I'm watching it and I'm being objective. I like to be an objective person. I don't like to judge them because I know it's a, it's a made-up programme. I know that it's all put together. But I did think, having watched Saturday Night, if this is the end result of what they've got as singers, it shows how crap the rest of them must have been. They must have been a... Yeah, you can imagine. And down the waterfall, as long as... Make, you know, that's as, that's as bad as it got, I'm afraid. So now you've got these singers on there. A couple of groups who sort of pretend that they're really friendly and they know each other and they put their arms around each other. And all I'm sitting there is going, right, which one's the gay one? OK, which one's the gay one? Who's got the stupidest haircut? Because they're all playing pop star. They're playing pop star. This is what they think pop stars are like. They have no idea... That, you know, it isn't about the image. You think the Rolling Stones and the Beatles, you know, unless they started going through their phase after. But, before, you know, when they first started, there was no, no thing to do with the image at all. And yet the Rolling Stones did very, very well. Half these groups, you won't have heard of them in a year's time. They'll have disappeared completely. They'll do the X Factor tour and they will disappear back into asking John Fry's with that. With Donald's Cola. Without the ice. Oh, God. To push the button twice now. Um, so, so I'm watching it and I'm trying to be objective. And I sort of come in... With, uh, with one of the group, one of the girls, Cece or something, uh, who's 22 and up the duff already, so that's a brilliant start to a career, isn't it? She's pregnant, and uh, she gets carried off in a, in a, in a wheelchair in an ambulance because she collapses. Uh, they then put it down to the fact she's pregnant on the panel, which was a load of old cobblers, because it wasn't to do with that. She said she had a panic attack. Already a panic attack. We haven't even hit anything else, and she's having a panic attack. So get rid, as far as I'm concerned. Then you've got the little Boise band... And they've got their arms around each other and they all really love each other. And I'm thinking, this is just so false. It's garbage. It really is. Anyway, they're the ones who nearly get voted off. They have to go for the sing-off with some blonde girl who ends up getting kicked off. Anyway, aside from that, they bring on a girl with glasses who I thought was Nana Muscuri. It turns out it wasn't. It was somebody who normally sits behind a piano and, well, (laughs) so she sits behind a piano and she sings averagely. So this time... No piano. And she's tr- already, she looks like she's about to burst into tears when they all go, I'm sorry, you know, without cutting too fine a point, you were crap. 
OK, you couldn't sing, you can't sing. OK, she might better sit there and tinkle out a little tune and sing a little song, but that's as far as it went. I was a bit disappointed. And Gary Bart, well, that wasn't your best performance. I'm thinking, why don't you just be honest with her? You ain't going to be getting in the charts, you're rubbish. So we go through that, then we go through the little boy with the, the Sharon Osbourne comments, and we've spoken about that already, and then we get round to Sam Callahan. Now, I spoke to a friend of mine on Tuesday of last week, and I said, I've been watching this programme. I said, he's a bit creepy. He's a bit creepy. He's a little bit, he's a little bit oily. He's a little bit sugary. He's a bit false. And uh, I said, are you aware? This is somebody in the business. This is somebody well high up in the business. And I said... You, you know, I, I find it amazing that this bloke, Sam Callahan has just popped up on a programme. He said, I don't know, we've known about him for ages. It turns out he's already been in a group before. Shows how rubbish he was, because he didn't get very far with that one. So he's tried the other route, being cheesy, taking his clothes off and posing and doing all sorts of strange things. Mind you, not taking his clothes off as much as a certain footballer, which we'll get round to a little bit later on. So, um, he then sort of comes on stage and he's doing the whole, thank you very much, and, and he's, it's so fake... And it's so false, and it's so cheesy, and it's so David Dickinson. The only man who carries his own oil slick around with him. David Dickinson is cheesy. Cheesy is not good in somebody who's just a pretty boy from Essex. Because he can't sing for toffee. This bloke couldn't hold a tune if he was standing there with Steve Allen doing la-las. It was as bad as that. And, but at least he was a bit better than he was last week. So I'm looking at him, and then Louis Walsh says something. Like, you know, you, you know, you're the hardest working person. I thought, but he's in. The, he's been in the business for ages. This is not somebody who has just walked out from behind a bar. Don't ever get. I mean, I'm thinking Louis Walsh must be well aware of who he is. He must have known him before this competition because this boy has been around for ages. He's been in a group. He's been. Uh, people know him in the business. So there's no big surprise here. But he still can't sing. And Louis saying, you know, which is, you know, fine. You know, he's the hardest working person. He does this and that. I thought, he gets up before anybody else in the house. He goes to bed after everybody in the house. I said, well, it's not working. He still can't sing. He's still cheesy. And he's still naff. And Louis says to him, listen, you've got the looks. You're a ready-made pop star. We can work on the voice later. And that resonated with me. I then remember thinking... So it's got nothing to do with how you sing. It's got to do with your looks, which is what I said all the time. So, as Dawn has said to me before, James Arthur, luckily he's had a bit of plug, you know, for his single, and he's managed to get himself in the charts. Whether he does it second time round remains to be seen. I think it's highly unlikely, but we'll wait and see. Matt Goss, having appeared on every single programme, has only managed to scrape in at 23. So next time round, expect it to drop out completely. That's with an album. And you look at Sam Callahan, and you think to yourself, you're very pretty, you're very sort of, sort of appeal to gays, appeal to girls, you appeal to kind of all sorts of things, except at the end of the day, your talent is limited. There's a limit to how long you can stand there going, mm, I'm really pretty. Stick him in a boy band, because by himself, he's going to fall flat on his face. He'll probably go on the X Factor tour, and, and that'll be about it, and he'll go back to work in the bar, but that's not just all the things he does. Quite clearly, somebody's invested some money you know, he, they, they, they've got pictures of him half naked on the internet, standing in a puddle of water or whatever it is. And you think to yourself, so who are you appealing to? Is this the girls or are you appealing to the boys? And the truth of the matter is he'll try presumably anything to get himself famous. But the only thing he can't do is sing. That was the only problem. And I looked at them and I thought, and this is the best that they've got out of X Factor. They managed to get rid of everybody else. I mean, the moment I saw the old woman coming out singing, you know... 
Put a ring on it. That be and you know how much I love that song. You know how much I love that song. And this one, and I thought she was quite good. And Gary Barlow says, "No, no, 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 it wasn't right." And I thought, okay, but that's fine. There was no way she was ever going to have the X factor. There was no way this poor old woman with the bleach blonde hair, who was very enthusiastic, was going to be anything more than a cheap karaoke singer. There was no way that this woman is ever going to get into the charts. It's just not possible. She'll go on the X Factor tour. And they'll have a little tour and they'll all make their few thousand quid a night and that'll be it. And then they'll disappear again. Because at the moment, the standard is so low that I almost despair of British music. You know what's going to be in the charts. You know that Psycho's contracts are so good that everything that they do, they make money out of. It's exactly the same as the contracts for The Only Way is Essex. The company that put that together own those people on that programme and they get... I think it's something like 15% of everything that they do. So poor little Joey Essex, in his funny little boy-stroke girl clothes, goes out there and does an appearance. The company get money, because they own them. You know, without this company, these people would be nobodies. They would be, you know, like the Sam Callahans, nobodies. You know, Sam Callahan, you could probably put in a reality show, and he'd be cheesy for a few weeks, and then we'd all get bored with him. The same as we're all bored with The Only Way is Essex. There was talk the other day of putting Sam Fahir's and Joey Essex uh, in I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, because they're trying to drum up interest. And the interest they have to drum up is that come November, this show will start airing. So they'll be in talks with people now, if not signed up a few of them already. And they'll be dropping little little hints. You know, you begin to wonder, poor old Sam, podgy face Fahir's. The time you see her in the jungle with the sweat pouring off her and her sort of lardy body... And Joey Essex just being the complete plank, you'll realise just how low we can go. The programme really isn't much cop. Really isn't much cop. And it's running out, although it has lined the pockets of Anton Deck. Yes, company figures just released from Anton Deck show that Ant McParlin, uh, Ant, but Ant McParlin has in the bank account £6,530,000. And Declan has about £6,430,000. That's not bad for a year's work, is it? Not bad. Six million pounds. For some people, the business pays very well. For other people, it uh, it isn't so good. I did hear of somebody a short while ago who was doing a, a major programme and they were doing it for peanuts. And the reason was that they were on the promise of getting another another show on the back of it. And I gather they have now got that show. We'll have stories from the Sunday papers a little bit later on as well. I was going through the Sunday papers yesterday. There wasn't a great deal. It was sort of odd little bits and pieces. But the, the one story which sort of leapt out was uh, Coronation Street's Kevin Lavelle. He's had death threats. His car's been smashed up. God help him if he'd been found guilty. But he was found innocent and uh, people have made death threats against him. All you've got to do, sweet pea, is go to the police. I've told you before, anybody makes a death threat against you on, uh, on Twitter or anything like that, well, then you just have to go. You just have to go and you, uh, and you complain about it. And the police will do something. And if they don't, then you take it further. It's as simple as that. However, today, my favourite person is Alex Rawlings. Alex Rawlings is... Uh, I don't know how old... Oh, he's 22. He's one of these very clever people who can pick up languages. He speaks 11. 11 languages. He's fluent in Spanish, French, Italian, Dutch, Russian, German, Greek, Catalan... Afrikaan and Hebrew. Don't you just hate him? Somebody who is that clever. And sickeningly, he's actually quite good looking at the same time. 
So I wish I could do that. I wish they could invent something where you go to bed at night and you wake up in the morning, you can speak another language. Would that make it so much easier ordering my Chinese takeaway? Do you have something that doesn't stick to my legs, please? I'd be asking them. 84850, uk. It's Monday morning. It's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast and it's 4.30. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. 29 minutes to 5, Monday morning on LBC 97.3. It's nice to have a company. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. They were out on the red carpet the other night, Emma Thompson and Tom Hanks. This is the film about the making of Mary Poppins. It's how it came to the big screen. It's how Walt Disney uh, met P.L. Travers and uh, the experience they had. He didn't like her. She didn't like him either. And when the film came to the screen, it is widely believed that she disliked it. Although, strange enough, a friend of mine actually met P.L. Travers. I told you the other day that I had a letter from her adopted son, who died in 2011. But Brian Sibley is a prolific and award-winning writer of radio drama. Very, very clever man. Very clever man indeed. He's written biographies from C.S. Lewis to Mickey Mouse. And uh, in the 1980s... It was exciting, he said, to be flown over to L.A. to sit in script conferences at Disney, working on what looked like a marvellous project, the studio's second Poppins movie. Now, though the screenplay he wrote with P.L. Travers was never made, he looks back on the experience fondly. He first corresponded with P.L. Travers back, I think, in the 1970s. He said, I was writing a book about, Will, uh, about Walt Disney. I didn't get to meet her for ten years, but when we finally met, it quickly became a friendship. Uh, writing with her turned out to be an eccentric experience, but that was because she remained uh, proprietorial about Mary Poppins. And why shouldn't she be? It was her creation. Uh, Disney, the first Poppins film, had been a massive hit, but in some ways it's a a loose adaptation. The books were really collections of freestanding short stories. I bought many of them. Mary Poppins in the Kitchen, Mary Poppins Goes to the Park, Mary Poppins Does This, Mary Poppins Does That. Um, And the film used both the original Mary Poppins books, published in 1934, and the second one, Mary Poppins Comes Back. Very keen were Disney to make a sequel, but uh, Pamela always said no. And one Sunday, Brian Sibley and her were having tea when she mentioned that they'd been in contact. She described the latest idea to him and said she was about to reject it. I said it was a pity that there couldn't be a new film. So many people had loved the Mary Poppins character. And Pamela said, oh, I could only agree if I could do it on my own terms. I'd have to work with someone I trust. And she said, if that were you, dear, that would be different. And so they wrote to Walt Disney, uh, to Roy Disney, Walt's nephew, by now in charge, and uh, and so it went on. And the project was Mary Poppins Comes Back. And uh, and they, they sort of worked on that. It's a, it's a very interesting... There were lots of sort of cloudings over. Casting the world's most famous nanny was not the only quandary. In the screenplay, there was no longer a Bert. It said there was a Bert's brother. Finding a Bert replacement was almost as tricky as recasting the lead role. In fact, at one time, they thought Michael Jackson might be right for the part. Interesting, isn't it, that you, you never knew these things. Brian Sibley is a, is a most fascinating man. He stayed in touch with P.L. Travers until she died. Very demanding as a friend, he said, but she had great wisdom and great knowledge of so many things. I'd love to know, actually, how much that, that generated, how much the Mary Poppins film generated for her. I mean, wouldn't, I'd love to find out things like that. I'm dead nosy, I'm afraid. Absolutely dead nosy. Um, the other thing today, we were, we were looking at a, at, a, at a footballer earlier on, and sometimes footballers 
post pictures of themselves on the internet. This this particular footballer, I think, uh, is with... Is he with Celtic? He's with Celtic. And for some inexplicable reason, best known to himself, his name is Charlie Mulgrew, and uh, he's a Scottish international footballer, currently plays as centre-back or left-back for Celtic. He's known for his versatility, and he certainly is on his latest Twitter feed. He's decided for reasons best known to himself, and nobody else can understand it at all, to post a stark naked picture of himself and his girlfriend. And nobody can quite understand why he's done it. Nobody's, everybody's sort of thinking, why would you, is it, is it really him? Is it a looky-likey? You know, we've, we've had pictures of footballers variously exposed, and then you look at this picture of him, and there's, there's not really very much left, I'm afraid, to the imagination. In fact, there is nothing left of the imagination. I was better dressed when I emptied my Chinese meal all over myself. And so he's put this up as a, as a Twitter. Whether it's, it almost looks like it's posed in a studio. Somebody else would have had to... It, this isn't a, a picture taken in a mirror, which we have seen from, from footballers before. He's, uh, he's just had this picture taken with his girlfriend, and for some reason has posted it out to, I don't know how many people he has following him. Does he have a lot of... 82,000 followers. That's going to come as a bit of a shock, isn't it, if you're following Celtic, and all of a sudden you get to see your favourite footballer absolutely stark naked. Perhaps it's starting a new trend. Perhaps, perhaps I should have posted a nude picture of myself. I imagine most people actually would have could have given up after that. But it's interesting to read all the, the comments from sort of people. Somebody says here, I, I really wasn't ready to see that. No, I mean, I have to be honest. We all thought it was strange. It's strange that the, that the, that the producer managed to find it, because I'd never even heard of him before then. But the producer, of course, now feeling very depressed about life. And, uh, and so, but it's an odd picture to print, isn't it? Out of all the things that you could, uh, that you could do, you know, it's very strange. Oh, I did tweet the other day. Because they, I was, I was having, a, I was having a phone conversation the other day, and we've, we've, uh, every month we have the the schedules out, and they're already doing Christmas. So um, they said to me the other day, they said, "Oh right, now this is what you're doing over Christmas." I love that. This is what you're doing over Christmas, which of course suits me fine. They said uh, Christmas Day, seven till ten, Boxing Day, seven till ten, and then the next day back to normal. And then the following week, I've got another day. I think it must be New Year's Day where I'm doing seven till ten, which is, which is quite nice, actually. It suits me fine. So then I could phone my brother and say, by the way, Christmas Day this year, I'll do the programme, then I'll tiddle off home. And I think he said piddle off home. I don't know why I was piddling off home. But <laughs> tiddle off home, pick up the car, and then drive down. We'll have Christmas, because there's going to be... One, two, three, four, five... There's going to be seven of us for Christmas lunch. Which, as far as I'm concerned, that's quite enough people. Anything more than that, it turns into a bit of a riot. So seven of us for, for Christmas lunch. And I'm quite looking forward to it. Already, I'm getting excited about Christmas lunch. It's odd, isn't it? Because I haven't had little sausages with bacon wrapped round for ages and ages. I like my crispy roast potatoes. I like... Um, I like anything, actually, doing Christmas lunch. So I'm going to have two this year. Well, I think I'll end up with two. One with, uh, with my brother and the family, and then one with my gorgeous godchildren, which I'm looking forward to. I think that'll probably be about another ten of us or something for the following day. So, again, over the Christmas period, I'm going to be putting on so much weight. So much. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's Christmas, and you've got to think about it already. So already I'm saying to people, not, not round here, but, you know, people, you know, what do you want for Christmas? Because you need to know in advance, and it's you, you need to start planning these things. And uh, yeah, just you let, you let me know. You let me know. Okay, one of those pictures like the footballer did would be great. Just send one of those in framed. <laughs> you think of anything worse. And um, and so in the boot because the car's going in for a service today. 
But uh, I've got an in-conversation to do. I've got in-conversation nearly every day this week, but that's great. I like that. And we've got, some, we've got Stephen Merchant coming in again. I'm very much looking forward to it. And Amanda Holden on her autobiography. Oh, dear. There's another piece in the paper today. Now, you remember I told you last week that Amanda Holden had said to me... Uh, sorry, had said in an interview... I'm preempting myself now. Uh, had said in an interview that uh, there was a famous comedian. When she was going out with Les Dennis, she went to a, a do at the Dorchester. And this famous comedian pinned her up against the wall and behaved inappropriately. That's the, that's the term that they use for it now. And consequently, I remember thinking, you should name him. You should, this person is probably still around. Now, it turns out, she's bumped into Jimmy Savile as well. She was in hospital and apparently had bumped into Jimmy Savile. But that's not, the, uh, that's not the end of it. There are lots more stories. You'll remember, of course, that Amanda started on, on Blind Date. That's where she came from. She came from, from Blind Date. But the most interesting story this week, nothing at all to do with her, is, uh, is a world exclusive. A charity worker claims that he was sexually assaulted by a female soap star at the age of 16. This goes back to 1981. You can't help wondering why. He says uh, she lured him into her bedroom for sex in the 80s, and he says she used me, I felt disgusted. I mean, I can't help feeling, you know, at 16 years old, don't most people, if they, they go, you know, and that's the whole Mrs Robinson thing, isn't it? I can understand. But why would you leave it from 1981 to now on what happened to you? I mean, it's over 35 years ago. 35 years ago. And now this person speaks out. And so now that, I mean, who is this person? This is a female soap star. You might as well just go through the whole of show business, mind you. you it's, it's like somebody coming up to you. And saying, you met me in, in, a, in a disco years ago and you, and you took me home and you, and you had sex with me and I want to complain about it now. And you go, well, why? You go, well, because I, I, I didn't fancy you. Well, why did you go home with me? I was drunk and you took advantage of me. I mean, it's one person. This, this bloke here says that he never got over it. So he had sex with this woman, but he never got over it. So for all these years, he's been hanging on to this. And now, um, his name's Robert Jones, and he says he's suffered decades of torment. And you think, why are these people coming back all these years? Like, I can't quite get to grips with, you know, people going back. There are lots of these names in court and they go, they're historic events. Well, for goodness sake, I can't remember last Thursday. You know, can you remember exactly, you know, who you picked up in a disco? Because that person can come back to you and go, you did this to me when I, you know, when you met me in a disco in Kingston and upon Hull or something like that. And you go, I've no idea who you are. No idea. And they go, well, that's it. Because, you know, a lot of people do sort of make things up. But this one, 35 years ago, it's, it's an awful long way back, isn't it? How do you ever prove it? And also, who's the person? Because I should imagine, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday, if you were a DJ or you were a person, you know, somebody famous in a group, and there's loads of them, the whole idea was fans wanted to be with them. You know, look at all those cards that were held up when, uh, you know, you, you go out to a One One Direction gig. These girls all hide under bushes to attack people and take their underwear and stuff like that. You know, and you think to yourself, are, there, are we going to be going through all the pop industry very shortly and discovering that, you know, all these groups from the 60s and 70s were bedding all these people and they're going to come forward going, I was bedded by, you know, Uncle Mowgli and the tree surgeons or whatever it happens to be. You know, is that is that going to be the next thing? Because it's just ludicrous. It's just clo- I mean, the police, must, as if they haven't got enough to do. Now they've got to do all sorts of other things. And, 
and sort of try and find out what this meant and what that meant and why somebody did this or why somebody did that. Oh, small, small wonder if these people can't remember anything. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, 84850. John Kelly obviously approves of the word paedophile, which, of course, was used uh, quite badly by Sharon Osborne. She's been carpeted over it. And, uh, and if you think differently, you're even more stupid than you sound. Uh, 84850, Jamie, thank you for that one. Love the mini-tour. It was just a mini-tour, I think. That's about as far as it went. Uh, 84850. Uh, bankruptcy update. Robbie's men's fashion lady, Farrell, has gone under. Yes, also, um, who's the bloke who's just gone into EastEnders? Who's the actor? Uh, Dyer. Danny Dyer. It hasn't his, one of his companies just gone bankrupt, owing money as well. Somebody said he, is, he hasn't actually gone in it to further his career. He's gone in it to pay his debts, which is good, isn't it? Because Kerry Coke Toner is still droning on about, you know, how many drugs she's shoved up her nose like anybody cares anymore. I just can't wait for her to turn 50. And all of a sudden people go, no, we're not really interested in your boring life, love. Why don't you get a job? Why don't you find out something you can do? You know, not, not that I think that you can. Uh, Bob in Manchester, he says, why did you do that? An image at 4am on a Monday morning. Your sticky bare legs and underwear is too much. Too much for me. What a waste of sweet... You know, there's nothing worse than waking up with a piece of pineapple stuck to your inner thigh. It's not a good look for anybody, I'm afraid. Not a good look for anybody. I'll give you the weather a bit later on, but at the moment I, I really couldn't care less. I don't want to, I don't want to know about the weather. Because Sunday, a, a friend of mine said, he said, we have to go for a walk in Regent's Park at nine o'clock. And I said, why nine o'clock? He said, because the weather forecast says it's going to be sunny... At nine o'clock, he said, and then it's going to rain again at 11. So I wake up at six on Sunday morning. I'm, I'm quite sort of, you know, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. And I look out the window and it's tipping down. So I go out, pick up the papers, and I send a text message going, it's tipping down. He said, don't worry, it'll be fine by, by nine. So I leave home, 8.30, blow me down, pull up outside his house at nine o'clock. Sun comes out. So quickly, we rush to Regent's Park. We do the walk, and then it's just started raining a little bit. And then we do Costco. And then he'd left his card at home, so he uses my card. What do I forget to pick up? My card. So he's now got my card. It's just madness, honestly. My life is just a, it's just a rock and roll showbiz whirl. Uh, Noreen says there is a documentary about Iceland. Not the country, the frozen food company. It's a three-parter. Do you know there's, there's also a documentary which has, been, uh, which has been suspended at the moment. I think it's another panorama one. Nobody wants to get involved with this one. This is saying that money from comic relief has been invested in, uh, in various companies. I'll bring this story a bit later because it's quite an interesting one. But, of course, nobody wants to be seen to be cancelling it, but they have, they have shelved it for the, uh, for the meantime. Uh, Noreen went to Glory's event. Sun came out and Joe and Michelle were amazing. Lovely. I'm very pleased. Very pleased. Don't like to hear about losing people at all. It's not my, uh, not my kind of thing. And Dawn tells us about uh, Matt Goss, his album has entered at 27. She says, I guess that's pretty good as it didn't have a huge amount of publicity. You are joking. He appeared on every programme under the sun. Every, the trouble is it's not a very good album. Uh, and James Arthur. So it's got into uh, number two tied in with, uh, with iTunes. Waiting to see how it does in the official singles charts next Sunday. So we'll have to wait for that. OK. Right. Thank you very much indeed for that one. We shall, we shall wait and watch, shall we not? 84850 dot uk time now 14 to 5 lbc 97.3 this is london's biggest conversation with steve allen
Morning, every 11 minutes to five. Let's quickly run through the front pages, just so you know what's going on. This story, incidentally, about, um, which was going to run on, uh, Panorama, uh, it's been postponed by the BBC. And the reason it's been postponed, they say it might be snared in a new Newsnight-style scandal. More than a dozen senior BBC executives have ruled themselves out of making decisions about the Panorama programme as a fresh conflict of interest crisis threatens to engulf them. This is the comic relief probe due to air later this month, but the Daily Mirror reveals the screening has been cancelled. It's already been put back once, says a BBC insider. And uh, the worry is this investigation will never see the light of day. The Panorama show is understood to examine how comic relief chiefs invested £150 million, some in tobacco firms and an arms giant, for up to eight years before giving it to charity. It's a six-month probe. It's interesting, isn't it? Because the... was this thing to... um, a programme on, on the radio the other day, um, made by an outside company and then sold to the BBC because they then give a credit at the end of it. It was all most peculiar, most peculiar. Anyway, um, this is uh, sort of the... This is causing a huge problem, apparently, within the corporation. I'd imagine it's racked with problems. And the Mirror found a project to sell Ramsey-branded cooking sauces lost the charity £800,000. The seriously good range was launched in 2009 by Brand Relief Limited, owned by Comic Relief, with 10p a jar going to charity. Doesn't seem very much, does it? 10p a jar. I saw something the other day, and I've saved it, because I was so cross about it that I, I thought I wanted to uh, wanted to bring it to you. And it's a story about poppies. It was an advert on the front of one of the, one of the colour supplements the other day. I was so cross about it, I, couldn't, I can't begin to tell you how angry I was. And I was so angry, I cut it out to, to bring it to you. The other story that made me fairly angry is uh, the ghastly Diane Abbott. I don't know if you saw her on the television the other day. She won £1,000 for charity. I think she was on The Chase. And we like Bradley a lot. We like The Chase. We love it. She won £1,000 for charity, and yet we're told she was paid 5000 to appear on the show. She donated her winnings to the Sickle Cell Society, but trousered five grand. It's not very good, is it? Not very good at all. It's not the first time she sparked controversy. She charged £300 for speaking at the National Obesity Annual Conference last year. I don't like her. I don't like her. There's some people you don't like, and she's one of them. I can't think of any logical reason why I don't like her. I just don't like her. Now, where is this? That Here it is. Here is an advert. And I cut this advert out because I was fascinated by it. And I thought, oh, that's nice. Money going to, to charity. It's called Lest We Forget. And it comes from the Bradford Exchange. An elegant symbol, they say. They, they sell... The Bradford Exchange sell plates and all sorts of other strange things uh, that you might or might not want at home. Anyway, this is the elegant symbol of life's fragility. The vivid poppy proves a breathtaking tribute to those who laid down their lives in service of a great nation. Now you can honour a loved one who served with the Flanders Fields poppy brooch. The first of a kind, fine jewellery exclusive, only available from the Bradford Exchange. Inspired by Lieutenant Colonel John McRae's epic poem in Flanders Fields, this stunning treasure brings precious poppies to life in a truly meaningful presentation to honour those who made the ultimate sacrifice. And uh, it's lovely, actually. It is absolutely... And that this is a way they say our valiant heroes will be, uh, be honoured. And I thought, well, that's nice. How much money is going to the Royal British Legion? Not one penny piece. Nothing at all. This is two interest-free instalments of £24.99. And it's seven, cent- seven centimetres long. And 
And I can't quite work out, actually, why anybody would want to buy this. If you want to honour the war dead, you're not going to be buying this thing from the Bradford Exchange, who appear to be based in Richmond for some peculiar reason. Well, I just suppose somebody's got to be. One Castle Yard, Richmond. And it's a guarantee that no money going to the British Legion at all. This is just pure. Why would you honour somebody by lining their pockets? I don't want to be rude about it, but frankly, if you want to honour the war dead and the ones that you loved and those you lost, you buy a poppy and it goes to the Royal British Legion. That's the only people you give it to. You don't give it to the Bradford Exchange, who are, you know, charging you nearly £50 for this thing. And then they say here, as a tribute to those who laid down their lives. What a load of old cobblers. I've never heard so much garbage. 18 karat gold plating, genuine Sorofsky crystal, lest we forget. And you do get the free poem card in Flanders Fields. What a fat lot of blooming... So something on a Gestetner machine has been printed off and they'll shove it in with your brooch. No. So it's £49.98 plus seven quid postage and packing. It's absolutely appalling that they're not giving any money to the Royal British Legion. As far as I'm concerned, you want to give to those who gave their lives you only. I think even if you buy one of these from Marks and Spencers and they've got something similar, it's 15 quid and so much of that is donated to the Royal British Legion and that's the only way you do it as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Speaking of Christmas Steve, says Winnie. You may want to purchase some of these chocolate sprouts that I spotted in M&S on Saturday. Chocolate sprouts? Solid milk chocolate? I've never heard of such a thing. They are sort of pretend, aren't they? They are pretend pretend sprouts. Thank you so much for that. Just what I needed to hear. Just what I needed to hear on a Monday morning. Chocolate sprouts. Um, Ken says... um, I was in bed drinking my first cup of coffee of the day, listening to you describe your disaster with the Chinese takeaway. As you were giving such a graphic description of the sweet and sour sauce running down your legs, you created such a graphic image. I laughed so much, I spilt the hot coffee all over the sheets. The remake of the bed is easier than the cleaning of your carpets. Your takeaway meal is still causing chaos. It was... It was I know. I'm sorry to put the image in people's minds. I can't help it. One, one does, you know, one does, one does better. Uh, 84850... Steve at lbc.co.uk. Um, another one here. Uh, what says... Uh, da, 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 da. Could you do a best of Steve? When do the clocks go backwards? Is that soon? I suppose they must, they must be coming up fairly, fairly quickly. Uh, everybody enjoying the, uh, the Chinese story. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, Johnny says, I went to a Jag showroom last week. I was thinking about updating my XJ8. My current one's 10 years old and cost 48 grand when new and is still mint condition. The salesman offered me £800. I think he was on drugs. They don't offer anything, do they? You'd be better off selling it privately. You're better off selling it privately because I think you, you, you could probably do much, much better with that. Chris in Essex says, I was a roadie for the tree surgeons and I never got any nookie at all. I never got over it. I know, I mean, I'm thinking of charging everybody that I ever went out with for ruining my life. Thank you very much indeed. You know, I was, I was talking to somebody the other day. I'm going to be talking to somebody on In Conversation this week. I won't tell you who it is just yet. But they, uh, they confessed in a recent interview that they don't have a partner. But they're desperate for a partner. Whereas all the people I speak to who are single are really, really happy to be single. Because if you're single, you can you you don't have you not you're not beholden to anybody. Some people don't do it very well. Some people don't like being single. Some people don't like being by themselves because they go, oh no, that must be really awful and lonely. Yet all the people I know live around me, and a lot of my friends, they're all single. Not one of us is lonely. Not one of us gets depressed about anything at all. We're fairly happy with everything. 
You know, occasionally you think it would be nice to have somebody and then you think, do you know, I'd rather stay in with a cup of coffee and empty more Chinese food down my legs. I mean, where else could you have that much fun, you know, on a Friday evening than emptying sweet and sour chicken and sweet and sour pork down, you know, between your legs and running down your legs? I mean, for goodness sake, that, I mean, just imagine the photograph of the bits of red and green pepper stuck to my legs with a bit of pineapple. To be honest with you, it tasted delicious. I had no idea that if pineapple sticks just behind your legs, it's, it stays warm for ages. It was quite delicious. Unfortunately, I don't think I've actually got the whole of the sauce up off the Chinese carpet. That'll have to be something else a bit later on. And, uh, and that, as they say, is that. Other stories in the papers today. This, this strange story of the, uh, of the mystery child, Maria. Nothing to do with this, this couple who had her. They appear in court today. And uh, they, it gives new hope. But I, did you not remember, I know this going to sound really awful, but do you remember as a kid, you know, say, be very careful, the gypsies will come and take you. Do you remember that one? I mean, that was a thing from, from donkeys years ago. And in Greece, having been told, gypsies don't do that, quite clearly they do. Here is a child that is not theirs. How the police got onto this one, I've got no idea. Uh, all the, the Roma gypsies are rallying around saying, oh, they're really good parents, everything else. But they're not the parents of this child. They're not the parents. Now, where she came from, I have no idea. Was she abducted as a baby? Who knows? They say she's four years old. They've had lots of calls about her. But she could be anybody's. She could be anybody's. I don't know. It's a very, very odd story. And it's in uh, all the papers today. Plus Tesco. Do you know, two-thirds of bagged salads end up in the bin. Apparently, people, I mean, to be honest with you, bagged salads are the biggest waste of time ever. Because uh, they've decided they're going to end their buy one, get one free. So, in other words, you, you buy a bag of salad and they give you another bunch of cheap salad in a bag for free. Well, if you can't eat the first one, why are you going to cope with the second one? And it goes off so quickly. Once you've got some of those leaves going off in the bag, there's not a lot you can do about it. So they're going to end it because they reckon that 68% of their salads get thrown away. And grapes as well. Grapes go off fairly quickly. But salads, that's funny. Who eats salad nowadays? Oh, it's the most boring food under the sun. I can't think of anything worse. Would you like something to eat? I'll have a salad. Oh, God, go away. Give me a steak any day or a piece of fish or something. Well, actually, not necessarily a piece of fish. But uh, definitely not bagged up salad. And we found um, a dream restaurant for you. If you're a chocoholic, and many of you might be. I know some people are very addicted to, uh, to chocoholic. How's this for a story, says Max. Castle Yard in Richmond is 200 metres from... I knew this. The Royal British Legion Poppy Factory. Isn't that disgraceful? Don't buy it. Seriously, if you want to buy something, go to the British Legion. At least you know the money is going to the best cause in the world. That's, that's what it is. If you want to honour the war dead, somebody in your family, you buy a poppy. The sellers will be out shortly, and that's the only place you go to. All right? News at five is next. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Four minutes past five. Welcome to Monday. I'm so sorry. It's a dreadful day, I know. It's very miserable, isn't it? You wake up and you think, oh, what am I doing today? Oh, I've got to get up and go to work. And I always think, hooray, I'm getting up and going to work. Every day is a revelation, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Teresa says the clocks go back next Saturday, Sunday. Oh, that's bad news, isn't it? If you, uh, I remember when I used to do the overnight programme on LBC, we sort of got this extra hour. It was great when they, when they went back the other way. So this week, are they going backwards or forwards? We're springing forwards, falling backwards. Oh, right, you get less. You get, you get more. How do you get more? 
Oh, right, from... T- oh, I see, oh, I see. Two goes back... Oh, yeah, that doesn't sound so good, does it? I think you should get to the end of the show. Oh, that's right, of course it does, yes. Oh, dear, you get extra. Does that mean you get extra Christo? Oh, Lord, he'll be thrilled. He'll be thrilled. Did he do it last year? Oh, right. <laughs> I didn't mind it, because because when, when, when the clocks go forward, it's OK. Because you actually get a little bit less. But when they go backwards, I used to do the first hour and then pretend I hadn't started and then start again. Made it a lot easier for me. Um, I did buy a poppy brooch for five, but five pounds went to the Legion. Says D, I've every intention of buying a poppy from the Legion's own sellers too. I'm glad you pointed that out. I think people could assume that money would go to the armed forces. Exactly. Read that Bradford Exchange advert very carefully. If it said on it they were donating two pounds from every brooch, then fine. But they're not. And I think that's, that's wrong, telling people, you know, if you want to support our loved ones. What, line somebody else's pockets because I want to support somebody who died in the Second World War? I don't think so. I'll go to the British Legion. I support the Legion. I support the poppy sellers. I support the poppy factory. And, uh, and I like to buy the poppy brooch. I've got lots of little metal ones. There's some nice metal ones. Buy those. Give, give extra money. That's what it's about. It's about that. I'm not lining the Bradford Exchange's pocket, I'm afraid. Even the Marks and Spencer's one, they give. I can't remember how much they, they give, but they give money to charity, and that's what, it should, that's what it should go to. It's as simple as that. As far as I'm concerned, the poppy is the symbol for all those people who died on the Flanders fields, and that's the Royal British Legion. They're the people who are responsible for keeping, for keeping the memory of those people alive. That's what we have the Festival of Remembrance for. That's what we have this for. I don't like to, to think I'm lining somebody else's pockets at the expense of family members who may have died. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, 84850. Apparently, Joanna says there's poppyshop.com. Thank you. Uh, Malcolm watched a bit of Dom Jolly's programme on Saturday. I can't bear Dom Jolly. I'm sorry. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't even know what it is. He says it, it made Keith Lemon seem almost watchable. Well, that must be pushing the boat out, mustn't it? That's totally unwatchable. Mind you, ITV keep persevering with it, don't they? They're trying to make something out of him and it's not working. I feel sorry for a guy called Danny James. Uh, Danny James, um, uh, owns a job agency, and he was urgently advertising for staff to fill a temporary vacancy stamp, uh, stacking boxes at a food factory. And it pays £6.31 an hour, night shifts. £6.31 an hour. OK, all you've got to do is stack boxes. In this area where he is, in Worcester, 2,000 uh, unemployed. How many applied for these 50 new jobs? Nobody. Not one person applied for them. He says you would have thought that there would have been a number of people who would have been uh, in on this. Uh, but there's a bloke here called Dean Scollin. Dean Scollin funds his weekly £250 rent, including meals and bills with housing benefit and job seekers allowance. So uh, he, isn't, he isn't remotely interested. He's not remotely. He said, why, why should I bother? He said, didn't pay enough. You see, I think you should take away the benefits immediately. What's the point of this fat, lazy little do-nothing person out there being given handouts by us? I'm sorry, if you're fit for work, you get out there and you take anything. That's the whole idea. Dean Scotland's been unemployed now for two years and lives in a bedsit and said that the work wasn't worth the money. Well, as far as I'm concerned, that's kind of tough, Poppet. You get out there, you get your fat bum and you get out there and do a job. Is it with a matter with these people? Now, honestly, I know... Small wonder you see people in, in show business... You know, I, ha- I hardly can see myself mentioning Pip Schofield. But, I mean, how many jobs has he got on the go? He must have about five jobs, all the different things he does. Then you've got this lazy little fat good-for-nothing here, this work-shy person who's been unemployed for two years. As far as I'm concerned, two years, we're taking away your money, mate. You can sleep on the streets. I couldn't care less. Couldn't care less. 
What if it's not enough money? So what does he do all day? He does nothing. He does nothing. He's just one of those who thinks that we owe him a living. And he's only like 20, 37. 37 on a waste of space already. Embarrassing, isn't it? Really is embarrassing. Good God. As far as I'm concerned, you take away, uh, you take away money immediately. However, not really as stupid as a head teacher who's going to start lessons in, wait for it, conkers. Conkers. Have you ever heard of such a thing? John Catamol spotted pupils at the school, I'll tell you where it is in a moment, uh, looking quizzically at horse chestnuts which had fallen from a tree. Not a remedial school, is it? Or something. Looking quizzically at horse chestnuts. Anyway, he held a game during assembly and discovered that 95% of his pupils had no idea what to do with conkers. Now Mr Catamole has written to parents requesting their permission to teach pupils about the game. What? God, is this the dumbest school ever? Where is this? Littleport Primary School, Cambridgeshire. Woo, big up for Cambridgeshire. Dumber, 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 dumber. Conquer lessons. Have you ever heard of such a thing? Have you ever heard of such a thing? Conquer lessons. Because he did a quiz in the... I mean, I don't know what age these kids are. But 95% of them had no idea. So conkers fall from the trees and they go, Ooh, conkers. What are they? We'll have a lesson. We'll have a lesson to explain what conkers are. So he's had to write to the parents asking if he can have permission to explain. And he's reassured parents he's gone through health and safety checks. You lose the will to live, don't you? You absolutely lose the will to live. If you lived in Cambridgeshire, get the heck out as quick as possible. They're as dumb as brooms up there, I'm afraid. Absolutely awful. Oh, cracky. Lessons on conkers. I don't remember, actually. I mean, don't, don't other children know what conkers are? Perhaps they think they're to make necklaces out of. I don't know. Oh, look, conkers, conkers, horse chestnuts. What are they? I don't know. Let's ask in, in assembly, shall we? Blimey, I tell you. I'm so glad I never went to school in Cambridgeshire. Bad enough where I was, but I mean, Cambridgeshire. Ghastly, I'm afraid. Ghastly. Uh, front of the sun this morning. You're waking up to it. Cooey. Uh, what? What's the matter now? What's lovely? Cambridge. Ghastly. They're thick as bricks there. We've had more stories about how thick they are in Cambridgeshire than anywhere else in the country. It's, I remember seeing a programme on the television a short while ago where the police were called out because there's a lot of... Let's just call them feral youngsters roaming around all over the place. All right, some of them come down to Dollis Hill, but I'm just explaining the fact that's where they emanate from. They start there, then they infiltrate through the country. Before you, There might be people living next to you, ladies and gentlemen. There might be people who come from Cambridgeshire. Put, get dogs. Get a dog. You don't want these people anywhere near you. My dad was a Spitfire pilot in World War II. In his 80s, he would recite the names of all the friends he lost. It was a long list. I take it personally... On his behalf, people raking in cash on their memory. Yeah. I mean, I, I absolutely agree with you. And had they given money, I could have understood it. But I, I read that and I thought, no. No, 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 no. Not having that at all. Michael Lavelle, front page of the, uh, of the Sun today, reckons that vigilante thugs are trying to kill him following his acquittal on child sex charges. I mean, sorry, the clue in there for the stupids is acquittal. He was found not Guilty. If he was found guilty, I could understand people, you know, taking it out on him. He was found not guilty. That means innocent, OK? But you do get these thugs. They're not thugs, really. They're just a bit simple. They're just a little bit simple, and they're not, they're not quite there in the brain department. You have to explain to them. Like the people of Portsmouth, who firebombed the house of a paediatrician, because they thought paediatrician was paedophile, because they're a bit thick down there. 
It's almost like the mysterious paw prints, twice as wide as a human foot, which have been hailed as fresh proof that the mythical Yeti exists. Taken by a barking mad bloke who's a computer engineer who was out trekking with his wife in the remote Kumba region of the Himalayas. This bloke comes from Cambridge. No, I was only joking. He doesn't come from Cambridgeshire. He comes from Gloucestershire, so he's fairly close. He thought nothing of it, but then he realised it was identical to a paw print snapped at the same spot by a respected Brit climber. It's the Yeti. No, it's not. It's another barking mad pensioner who's as stupid as they come. There is no such thing as the Yeti, as Bigfoot or anything like that at all, OK? It's just a bear. It's just a bear. There is no such thing. It's like little green men from outer space. Phone home, E.T. phone home. They don't exist. No Loch Ness Monster either, I'm afraid. No, no ghosts. No nothing. No crop circles in fields. Students with a piece of rope and a flashlight and a piece of graph paper. OK, but for the uninitiated, for the particularly stupid and dumb this morning, oh, it really exists. Yes, there used to be years and years ago. I mean, going back before, uh, before even when Cambridgeshire was invented, there used to be rhinoceroses walking across Trafalgar Square. That's what we used to have. That's what there used to be, but not anymore, I'm afraid. It's all, it's all moved on a little bit. Uh, Ian says, I took my six-year-old son to look for conkers yesterday. Over a hundred collected in ten minutes. Yeah. I mean, there's conkers. We used to take them out. Everybody did different things, didn't they? To make yours harder than anybody else. What did you do? We either baked it in the oven or we soaked it in vinegar. And then you had a skewer and you push it through. Then you go, ouch, jammed it to my blasted finger. And you put it through there in a bit of string and you take it to school and then you'd have a tenner or a twentier or something like that. But we never had lessons in conkers because we were fairly intelligent as children. 14 minutes past five. 18 minutes past five. Coming up with Nick Ferrari and the team at seven this morning as the Archbishop of Canterbury wades into the energy crisis. Nick will be asking, was he fair to comment? Plus, why has Nick Clegg criticised free schools? And should Christians be allowed to have the day off on Sunday? Nick will be talking to one woman who's taking her fight to the High Court. John McKenty, Executive Diary Editor for The Mail, is looking at the papers this morning. I was reading about this, uh, this Christian... That lady, Celestina Mba, she's a care worker and she doesn't want to work on Sunday. Uh, but there must be loads of Christians who work on a Sunday. What do you think vicars are doing? They're working on a Sunday, aren't they? Or perhaps that's seen differently. You know, vicars work, choirs work on a Sunday, everybody else. It doesn't make any difference, does it? It's got nothing to do with sort of people being anti-Christian. Because if you're Christian, I always assumed, and, you know, as a Christian... I'm telling you, you can worship any time you like. You don't need to go to a church. You can do it wherever you want to. So there's no particular day. It doesn't have to be a Sunday. It could be a Saturday. You can do it anywhere you like. But it's sort of, it's this kind of waste of court time. Anyway, she'll be with Nick this morning talking about that. Uh, plus, the bushfires in Australia and, uh, and the free schools. What is a free school? According to one of them, which has just been closed down, I think, um, they, they were just underqualified. Underqualified. Plus, the growing number of prisoners forced to convert to Islam. It's been quite a strange one here. I'll talk to John Podmore, the former prison governor and author of Out of My Mind, Why Britain's Prisons Are Failing. Michael Lavelle, he says, I have a right to live my life. I won't hide from cowards like these. And yet, strangely, in front of one of the other papers, I'm going to move to Australia. I don't know he's going to manage that in the period in Coronation Street. Um, there's also uh, the story today. Oh, topless picture of, of Kate Moss. Oh, dear. Dreadful picture, honestly. They also go on holiday. She avoids sunburn, so she doesn't, uh, doesn't wear a bra or anything. She just goes topless on holiday. Tacky. A little bit tacky. Um, and uh, well, it's just an odd picture to see, isn't it? Odd picture to see in the papers on a Monday morning. Simon Cowell. 
was secretly planning a wedding in Britain, months after becoming a dad for the first time, so he could marry Lauren. I don't see that happening at all, I'm afraid. I don't know why. Uh, and, um, who's this? The Blur star. This is, uh, I don't know who he is, actually. He's somebody, oh, Damon, is it Damon Albarn? He's apparently off on a, on a mission. Extremist band music in Mali. We're bringing it back. Isn't he very middle class, Damon Albarn? Isn't he sort of, you know, he's not one of these sort of, you know, working class, come from a sink estate in Bristol or something like that. Uh, Paul in Essex says, I used to like sweet and sour balls, but the mental image of your mishap has scarred me for life. Oh, I'd claim money, frankly, if you've listened to the programme and you've been affected in any way, shape or form. They used to say at the end, didn't they, of, uh, what was that programme? Where they used to look at sort of crimes, they say, and just remember now, sleep well. You used to think, oh, no, it wasn't 999. No, it was that uh, Crime Watch. Nick used to do it. He used to say at the end, um, used to say, don't, don't forget, you know, sleep well tonight. He's like, I'm too scared to go out. Very frightened. Uh, James in uh, Edinburgh, uh, 84850, uh, co. He says, you're setting off dogs all over the country. Well, you deserve to live in Edinburgh, don't you? I've been to Edinburgh once. Enough, thank you. Uh, I have to say this year, says Paul in Manchesterford, I only watched the first three instalments of X Factor as it was blatantly obvious it was going to be an uphill struggle to find even six decent acts to go forward. The moment that Sam Callahan turned up to sing his first song, several of my niece's friends in the business who were tweeting and Facebooking during the programme recognised him straight away and were less than happy to hear the endless drivel about him just starting out and were very vocal about it. Here in Manchesterford, the so-called celebs to turn on the Christmas lights, have been revealed in no particular order. Pudsey the dog, who's in Dick Whittington, a panto about a cat, along with his grinning odour. Jodie Prenger of Nancy fame and James Arthur, who's doing panto. Oh, dear God. The Manchester Evening News reported our residents are going to say the least rather underwhelmed and ask why no local talent are doing it. On the subject of Lee, I watched the film on Friday and it was all I hoped for and more. Michael Douglas was a revelation in the film. Note perfect when playing Boogie Woogie. Looking forward to the P.L. Travis film. You know you're getting old when all your childhood heroes and heroines are being ripped to pieces before your very eyes. Just wait till you're 39, Steve. You see what I mean? I know. Terrible, isn't it, really? But it's a very good film. I was, I was quite, quite impressed by it. But the, uh, but, but the Callahan bloke in X Factor, he's been around for ages. He's well-known to people in the business. He's well-known. The trouble is in this one, he's so greasy and so plastic and so yuck that you kind of think... I know that they said he's the odds-on favourite to win, so for that read, read, he won't win. OK, it'll go, to, it'll go to that barking mad woman who plays the piano or something. Also, I thought we were looking at that bloke who took all his clothes off there, on the, but it's not. That's the Spurs manager, Andre Villas-Boas. So... <laughs> they look so similar, don't they? Uh, in fairness to the headmaster, I can sadly confirm by writing to the parents he's covering his back. The playground game of Conkers was effectively banned by Manchester for the Education Department many moons ago and could only be played if wearing safety goggles. I'd assume marbles is also subject to the PC rules as well. And with Halloween coming up, I'm wondering if apple bobbing and pumpkin carving will be allowed. These idiots aren't allowing kids to be kids anymore. Apple, you don't find apple bobbing anymore, do you? My school, we used to try and drown the kids. It was much more fun. And uh, I haven't carved a, a good pumpkin for many a year. But they're all out there on sale. Get them now and leave them. Just leave them sitting outside and carve them like the day before. Then you put a nightlight inside there. Burn the house down and call the fire brigade out. I don't. I don't do. I've got to go out to Costco at some point, probably next week, to go and get sweets for trick or treating. Not for me, but because a friend of mine says 
Could you get me some sweets? Because I might have kids coming to the door. I thought, listen, I've got a machine gun on the door. Any kid rings the bell and goes, trick or treat, they'll be getting... I've electrified the door handle as well. I've decided I'm having none of this trick or treat nonsense. That goes on in America. You don't do it around the refined areas of where I live. You know, anybody goes trick-or-treating in, in Richmond, they're doing it in a Rolls-Royce. They're not going to be wandering along the streets. In America, it's, it's big business, I understand that. Or they throw flour at you. I would actually do the same. I let the kids go, they get trick-or-treat, I go, neither. Shut the door in their face, then they ring the bell, then you open the door, and then you drop a ton of gunge all over them, you go, bye! You know, watch them walking down the path, crying. I think that's far more entertaining, isn't it? Than having all these people dressed up as things. We'll have a, there'll probably be pubs around our way that will have trick-or-treating. And I don't quite get get the gist of it. All these things that creep over from America, I don't like it at all. I really don't. It's not my idea of fun at all. Oh, here's little Cheryl Cole out on the town. Still no work, I'm afraid. So she had to go out. She's had her teeth whitened and uh, looks somewhat ridiculous. But apparently she's sort of... She's gone for this sort of... The, the down look. And apparently she's doing everything she wants to by herself, which presumably means she'll be collecting her own doll. <laughs> Because there isn't any other work out there, I'm afraid. Uh, weather for today. Let me tell you the weather. I might, as well, I might as well tell you, just in case. Take an umbrella. It's going to be a very wet start to Monday. It'll clear up later if you're driving at the moment. If you're coming into work, you're thinking, oh dear, it's going to be all wet and horrible, isn't it? But that's, uh, don't worry, it cl- it, it's going to be a cloudy afternoon. But it should remain dry tonight. Currently 13 degrees. I can't tell the difference. 17 it'll climb to, so double it and add 30, so 17, 17, 34, 64. Oh, it's not warm, is it? Not warm. I did bring a big coat today. I did wear a big coat the other day, and I walked in, and a friend of mine said, to, uh, in Marks and Spencer's, said, why are you wearing a big, thick coat? I said, because I thought it was cold when I went out. I'm hopeless. My thermostat's all over the blooming place. I've got no idea when it comes to trying to work out whether I'm hot, cold, or anything else. Uh, 84850, steve.lbc.co.uk. Um, another one here. It says, Conquers information. The school you mentioned is a good school in Cambridge, and the kids are very intelligent. The only difference is... Oh, it's gone. The only difference is when the... Uh, in the sky, as the fighter jets train over there, the kids put their arms out and follow the jets over the school in the playground. It's a wonderful sight. Thank you. Um, oh, they do that. They do that for, yeah, plane, plane, plane. Well, I used to live on airfields, so that was, uh, so that was always good. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. Apparently the River Crane has flooded over in Twickenham. That's good news. I like the idea of that. <laughs> uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. So a lot of people tell me about Conquer information. I mean, I did, we just played Conquers as kids. Now you can't do it because it can do damage to kids. Well, good. Many of the time we used to come up with grazed knees and broken fingers and everything else. You know, if the, if the teacher gave you a thwack around the back of a head, you didn't start saying, I'm taking you to court, did you? Now they do. Uh, don't have nightmares, uh, says James. That's what they used to say at the end of Crime Watch. Don't have nightmares. I like that. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Um, apparently, uh, conkers make a very good spider repellent. Yes, somebody said about conkers. They're very good for keeping... You'd have a bowl of conkers, don't you? And apparently that um, that just means that, con- that uh, spiders don't like them. David says, Gloucestershire near to Cambridge. Twickenham folk don't seem too clever either. No, it's quite... It's quite well, it's, it's quite close as sort of as regards dumb... 
quite dumb. Let's find out where you are. Let's find out where you are. Wait a minute. Oh, I've lost it again. <gasps> God, I said the trouble is we get so many texts and emails on this on this program. It's it's very difficult to try and try and trace things. Oh, he's nowhere, is he? He's never sent one before. Well, not under his usual name. Are you the one who writes under Mary? <laughs> I can only tell actually. Uh, my dad was a was a pilot. Good. A lot of people saying about this. You know, if you if you want to do anything. For the British Legion, you buy a poppy from the British Legion, OK? That, that may, means you know where the money is going. He said, keep them peeled. No, that was Shaw Taylor said, keep them peeled at the end. And that was on a... Pro- I can't remember what the Shaw Taylor programme was called. Shaw Taylor. Moved to Australia, I believe. I believe so. Um, 84850, the road from Rickmansworth train station around about the M25 is closed due to flooding. Isn't it funny? That's right. It was Shaw Taylor. Please, five. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Um, Steve, 16 equals 61. 28 is 82. Uh, 32 and 30. 62. Yeah, six, well, give or take. 28 degrees. Uh, 56, 86. But you've got 82 down. It'd be, listen, I defy anybody to work out what, what the different degrees are, ladies and gentlemen. It's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. We're on 97.3. We're coming to you live from Leicester Square. And it's 5.30. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to 6. Monday morning on LBC. Miserable start. Miserable, depressing, boring start to Monday. Why is it Monday we don't like? You know why? Because we've had a nice weekend. Or they might have had an awful weekend. Frankly, I don't care. It's nothing to do with me. Uh, mine was very busy. I'm quite grateful to come back to work for the rest Guess who's touring the country again with his one-man show? Yes, well-known Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson, who blew his $60 million fortune because the man's an idiot, but he's now doing the undisputed truth. He's been to prison for rape. He was a convicted rapist. Uh, He defeated... I couldn't remember which one it was. He defeated um, Frank Bruno twice. Once in... Once in 89, and then I think it was once in... God, I can't remember, 95, 96, something like that. But I can't remember which one was in Vegas. And Frank Bruno was doing the, yeah, yeah, not a mean Harry and all the rest of it. And goes out there, gets flattened in about five seconds. Because Fra- Frank Bruno was just some lumbering thing. Tyson was very fit at the time and just knocked him out. All those poor people who trekked all the way over to Vegas. And it must have been 96, because I remember it quite well. Uh, went over there and Frank was doing his interviews and all this, you know, because the British public liked him because he was a bit lumbering. He turned up on Comic Relief one time. Romeo, Romeo, with for art, though, Romeo. He did. <laughs> Standing on a balcony, dressed as Juliet, I think. I seem to remember dressed as Juliet. And um, that was OK. But then it, when he got in the ring with Tyson, because up until then, the only people that Frank Bruno had been fighting were people they'd dug up from cemeteries or retirement homes. I'd, ne- I'd never understood the rules of boxing. It always became a bit peculiar to me in the way that they used to do it. But so Tyson um, was at the very height of his fitness, and unfortunately, Frank Bruno was just blooming useless. And so he got in the ring. And it, it, I'm sure it was down in, in seconds, absolutely down in seconds. And that was, the, that was the end of it. Frank Bruno comes back with bruises all over the place. And that's it. You never find boxers nowadays who've done particularly well. They all sort of struggle, don't they? Shame, really. But it never interested me. So uh, touring the country at the moment is uh, Mike Tyson. And uh, and he's obviously telling you about his life, how his marriage failed. Uh, I went to prison. I bit, didn't he bite somebody's ear off or something at some point? It was, it was always very, very tacky, I remember. On the subject of uh, of marbles, and I can't remember marbles at all, um, 
I think you have to do, uh, Paul, uh, a risk assessment. I think because, because marbles can be dangerous. I'm surprised they're allowed to have pens in school nowadays. Because pens can be quite dangerous. Pens can be very, very dangerous. Um, Emma Thompson, they say, practically perfect in every way. She absolutely is. And uh, she was on the red carpet last night in Leicester Square. A, f- a friend of mine was working on it. And he sent me a, sent me a photo going, oh, look, where am I? Just outside the building. Uh, little Maria made to dance for cash. This is the little girl from the Greek gypsy camp. They've now had 5,000 calls from around the world. But as they appear to have had her for some years, uh, you have to ask yourself the question, where did she come from? You would think that they, they could find her. The woman accused of abducting us says she loves us and we love her. Yeah, but she's not your child. It doesn't really matter, does it? It's not like taking in a stray dog or something like that. This is uh, the woman here arrested with her husband, told Greek television, we gave her everything we could, like we do for our other children. Yes, but it's not yours. It's not your child, that's the point, dear. Let's not sort of beat around the bush here. She said they took the child in to protect her. The, uh, she said, the woman said to us, they've had her since she was two months old, take this baby, if you do not, I will just give it to somebody else. She just left and never came back. And so they've been looking after her ever since. But the, the, they don't seem to have any sort of documentation for anything. You can't just say somebody gave me this child. I've just sort of decided to keep it. You know, just for a bit of fun. And we make her dance for tourists for money. Slightly tacky, I'm afraid. Slightly tacky. Uh, 84850. Apparently it's currently 30 degrees at 5am in uh, in Nigeria, in uh, Lagos. Oh, God, I could see that I could not cope with at all, I'm afraid. I really couldn't. Uh, happy birthday to Keith and Barry on Facebook. Two of your biggest fans, but desperately in denial. And... Uh, so, uh, thank you. Don says, really enjoying the show today. A bit like a TARDIS in here, isn't it? It's absolutely like a TARDIS. It really is. And get a job. Get a job. This is a, a bloke. There was a, a drug addict begging outside Parliament. Uh, ministerial aide, Daniel Gazowski, who's six foot eight, towered over him and said, yes, I, I've struggled too. Honestly. And Mark McGuigan says, I can't get a job. Of course you can. Don't be silly. I love it when people say, I can't get a job. Have you tried? Here's the Chocoholics restaurant I mentioned earlier on. You're going to love this. If you've, if you've ever been tempted to eat dessert, then uh, Raybot 1745 is the place for you. Everything has got chocolate in it. I saw a woman, I, I don't know if you've ever seen the Food Network. This is a fascinating experience where sort of people go round and round. I, f- I feel physically ill watching it half the time because the food looks... I mean, I'm sure it's lovely, but I couldn't eat any of it. And they had a woman making chocolate Easter eggs, bunnies... But inside, it was bacon and egg. And so it was ground-up bacon, which they put into the chocolate. And apparently, you know, you can put, put chocolate with just about anything. And in this chocoholic dream restaurant, if you're a chocolate person, then uh, the starter, red mullet, olive ricotto, ganache and chocolate mustard. Ganache is that sort of fondant stuff, isn't it, that they... Sorry? Ganache? I don't think so. No, ganache. Isn't that... Isn't that the, the chocolate paste? I don't know, I could be wrong. G-N-O-C-C-H-I. I thought it was... I thought it was ganache. I thought that was like a paste that goes into... You might be right. He thinks it's a pasta. He might be right, actually. Dumplings made from semolina. Oh, there it is. Oh, God, it looks disgusting at this time of the morning, I'm afraid. It's sort of a dumpling, then. It's a dumpling made out of a sort of a semolina-type thing with, uh, there you go, ordinary wheat flour and egg... Like so many Italian dishes, there is considerable variation in recipes and names across different regions. Ganache is eaten as a first course as an alternative to soups. God, it looks boring. 
<laughs> it's the dullest thing we've mentioned on the programme this morning. Main course, cacao marinated beef with vegetables, white chocolate horseradish mash and cacao jus. I love the word jus. Dessert tasting menu, milk chocolate from St Lucia with Cornish sea salt, Mekong Delta dark chocolate with cherries, Ecuadorian dark chocolate with almonds, and that dessert will cost you £55. I don't think I should be going to this restaurant. I don't mind spending up to about £8 on a dessert, but I wouldn't be spending £55, I'm afraid, at all, at all. And here she is, the big embarrassment. She's going to be mentioned on our free podcast today. Yes, the desperately sad... Susanna Reeds, the woman, I'm not at all sexy. You wish she'd stop trying so much, don't you? Now she's exploiting her kids and she's put them on television as well. There must be something. She's obviously quite desperate to get herself off reading the auto-cutie stuff, which she has to do, and uh, just can't stop shimmying and shaking and obviously thinks she's destined for something else. I think one of the shopping channels, Bid, I think, would be brilliant. I think brilliant. That'd be fine. Um, uh, Malcolm says, Louis Walsh called Sam Bailey the singing prison Warder, Scrubo, because of her job as opposed to the other one. But uh, is she still in or is she out? I don't know. Kay says, my dad told to convert centigrade to Fahrenheit, you double it and add 30. Yes, it's exactly what you do. But give or, give or take, you know, a degree. But I mean, who, can, who cares, actually? Uh, we're aware some parents are worried about young children wearing poppies with pins. In Orpington, uh, the RBL will have stalls in uh, Waitrose and Tesco selling just not poppies and pins, but bags, hair ties, jewellery and loads more. Our poppy appeal organiser, Margaret, will be carrying the poppy box for Festival of Remembrance this year. I love Festival of Remembrance. I love it. It's my favourite. Favourite. If you really want a good weep, that's, that's my, that's my top-of-the-list weepy thing. Top-of-the-list weepy thing, which is uh, just amazing. Uh, apparently, we're coming to the end of an all-star bake-off. <laughs> like I care. Like I care. I realise that many of you enjoy going out there and enjoy cooking and enjoy baking. But frankly, watching three people on the television who they say are all going to be stars. They've said they're going to be stars because they're on the... T- I'm thinking, oh, God save us from these desperate people. But I suppose, really, I suppose it's a bit like being on The Only Way is Essex. The Only Way is down. And The Only Way is we need a reality show to try and make a bit more money. I just can't wait for the first one to declare themselves bankrupt. I'm kind of looking forward to that one. I'm always taking odds on who I think it's going to be. Uh, Apparently, if you're convinced romance is dead, half of us still believe we will eventually find the one. And even more of us, 86%, that believe that being in love is the most important reason for getting married. No kidding. There's me thinking it was money. Find somebody for it. As as Joan Rivers used to say, find yourself a millionaire with a dodgy heart, go up behind him and go, boo! Cop the lot. She said, or failing that, marry a transvestite and double your wardrobe. Seems fair enough, doesn't it? Alex Reid, I believe, is available at the moment. He was in the papers this week, having sort of bought the uh, the story of poor old Price and her dull story about the men she's been out with. Lord knows it's beginning to look like a small dictionary. Alex Reid then sort of had his sixpenneth. He turned up on a programme this week. Again, he's going to be featuring, I'm afraid, in our little gentle ribbing of the celebrities. We like a bit of gentle ribbing of celebrities. Because he appeared on one of those programmes where they bring out your fans. What sort of fans he'd have, I've got no idea. Cross-dressers, I suppose. He's very odd. But he said she used to go out and, and buy him wigs and stuff like that, which is kind of too much information. It, it's the kind of thing, you know, you think, well, we know you're both peculiar. We know you're both uh, decidedly odd. But I don't really want to hear about it, I'm afraid. Uh, Gordon Ramsay has lost two stone. He's very fit, Gordon Ramsay. I like him. I've always liked Gordon Ramsay. Always. 
But there's a picture of him uh, before his diet. Then he's gone on the diet, and now, I mean, he is fit. He does these gruelling marathon man thing. I mean, I'd, I would like to do them myself, but you understand. There's no, po- there's no point in pushing yourself too much at my age. I don't want to sort of, um, you know, just sort of, just sort of give up. And uh, there's a picture here. Uh, this is uh, a ferry battling through a violent storm. Um, as it left Haven Harbour in East Sussex. The the ferry is barely visible. Now, I don't know ab- about you, but I'm slightly scared of water. I'm slightly scared. Ever since the Titanic, I've been a little bit worried about things. And I did remember seeing a uh, film on the television once of some people on... They had one of these holiday from hells, and they were on a cruise ship, and they're going through this storm, and these things have got stabilisers on. But even so... The, you know, the, the ocean is, uh, is, is a big place, very big place, as the people on the Titanic discovered, very lonely at times. And they only hit an iceberg. They were in fairly calm waters. Some of these steeds here, and these people in their cabin, the water is coming in through the window. Well, that just would have done me in. I'd have been out there with my little life jacket on, getting ready to swim, you know, whistle and a torch and everything. I'm all ready. I don't, I don't, I don't like to do that, I'm afraid. I don't like to do that kind of thing. But you look at this picture in the paper today in the mail... And you think to yourself, nothing on earth would get me on board that ferry. Quarter to six. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Welcome to Monday morning on LBC. I've got a brilliant car for you this morning. I've got the best car ever in the world. Well, I haven't got it, but this one here. Because you know when, when you, it comes to parking, and I've seen a lot of you try to park, and to be honest with you, it's pathetic. It's not good. But here is a car that parks itself. Not just parks itself. When you get out of the car, it parks itself. You don't even have to be in the car to do it. It sounds fantastic. A push of the button on the key fob, and the car will manoeuvre itself into a spot at a maximum speed of nine miles an hour. When you're ready to get back in again, you push the button, and it crawls out of the space. I love this idea. I want one of these cars. And um, it looks absolutely brilliant. It's a self-parking Ford Focus, which squeezes out of the... I want one. I've never seen a Ford Focus. I've no idea what they look like. But they're hoping to introduce this remote-control parking gadget within two years. However, they're going to have to wait for a change in the law, which bans drivers from getting out of the car while the engine is running. Have you heard this? I didn't know there was a law on that. You can't get out of the car while the engine is running. You're supposed to turn the engine off. That's very odd, isn't it? Very, very strange. Very, very strange. 84850, uh, A lot of people here talking about um, bone marrow on toast. It's the latest thing which they're trying to convince you to eat. Honestly, I sometimes wonder whether I'm in the right world. Bone marrow on toast. It sounds absolutely disgusting, doesn't it? Uh, Metro today on the front side. Uh, Bye-bye to reality. House prices, 10% up. Everything going up, people making a small fortune, which is good news. Bad news if you're trying, of course, to get onto the property ladder, because in London it is a nightmare. Absolutely a nightmare. Um, uh, 84850 stevedlbc.co.uk. And Karen says, you may remember me saying last week, I wasn't going to text the show anymore as my mobile bill was getting way too expensive. But I did text you last week on my way to work to mention the lorry full of cows off to the abattoir. I was shocked to see on my O2 account I'd been charged twice for sending the one text. So I rang them up to complain, as it's made me wonder if it's happened before. See, nobody checks, do they? See, I just get my, my phone bill in, and the phone bill says, you know, this month it's £20.92. 
So that's the only thing I go by. So whether or not I've gone over the top or not. And I said to a friend of mine, I want to download some, some music and do that. I said, how much is that going to cost? He said, doesn't cost. He said, you've got limitless. You've got limitless. So it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, no problem at all. Uh, Julian Clary has been on uh, to speak to Piers Morgan. Why? It's very simple. He's got a tour and a book to flog. Which is very interesting. Quite, quite rude, I think, some of his things. And uh, Gary Barlow has admitted his first two solo albums hold painful memories. But he says, this time around, it's way more fun. Well, he's appeared on everything. There, is, there can't be any more interviews that he could do to sell the album. The tour's sold out. All he needs to do is sell the, uh, the album. Uh, Michelle Keegan is hoping that soap bosses have a change of heart about killing her off when she leaves Corrie, saying, I want the option to return... I think they're going to kill her off. I have a horrible feeling that she's going to be killed off. And once, of course, you've been killed off in a soap, unless it's Dallas, where Bobby came out of the shower. Do you remember that? And it turned out to be a dream. And that was, we all went, oh, that's brilliant. That's so clever. You can't do it with anybody else now, because otherwise it screws up the rest of the thing. Uh, 84850, steve at uk, And uh, great show as always, says Carol. Was it appropriate for Sharon Osbourne becoming a cat to refer to the dancer in the white dress as paedophilia behaviour? No, it wasn't. She's been carpeted over it. I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if they have to issue a, an apology, I'm afraid. That was at the end of uh, this little lad singing on The X Factor. And it was obviously realised what she said too late. And uh, strangely enough, though, she said it twice. I assumed she was on some sort of medication. I've never heard of anybody use words like that on The X Factor when people are watching. I mean, it was, it was a bit of a stupid dance number anyway. I mean, it's, it's, it, the programme isn't, isn't what it was. You know that it isn't what it was when you look at the low standard of the singing and realise that that's the best after they've been through and got rid of everybody else who was even more appalling than the ones that they've got at the moment. Difficult to believe, isn't it? But they've all got history. Some are very well known to the judges. Some must be very, very well known to the judges. And, um, and some, I mean, I just don't even know how they're there. They can't sing for toffee. Very, very embarrassing. But they go to the judges' houses and we all have an emotional cry and, and Sharon Osbourne is sort of either vile about them. Louis Walsh just sits there and it just washes over the top of him. And Gary Barlow's uh, group, I think, they, they've kicked out some blonde woman this week that uh, can't be long before Gary Barlow's groups go. They're just, it's just so contrived, isn't it? It's, you know, you know what the route is. The route will be that they'll come out. They'll all go on to the X Factor tour. Uh, a couple of them will have an album out. Maybe they've started recording tracks already. I don't know. I know that Sam Callahan's got some tracks recording because he, it was mentioned on, uh, on a Twitter page that he has. But, I mean, he's been in the business for ages. He's been in the business for ages. And now it, it seems that it's, it's, just, it's just such a lame programme. It's not as good as it was. John the cabbie says, leaving your engine running whilst unattended is called quitting. I know, to my expense. Ha <laughs> ha, thank you. Um, uh, one here that says, uh, read the X Factor. I'm sure many entrants would sound better if they didn't have a lump of gum in their mouth. Peter Andre is also a culprit when performing, being interviewed or even kissing Toss Toss. Yuck, says Christine in Pearly. Ah! He's coming back with another programme on a Sunday, poor soul, honestly. Poor old Peter Andre, the man who's just, he's so false. It's so false. Uh, one here says, I'm, uh, am I sad? I'm looking forward to leaving work at 6.30 so I can use my brand new polka dot brolly. Yes, I'm very sad. Ha <laughs> ha. And it's a new brolly, says Glenda, which is good. Yes, yeah, so you will need it today and it's going to be a bit of an overcast afternoon. It's pronounced uh, Nyoki. Noki. Nyoki. Nyoki. Oh, as in Nyoki. All oh, right. OK, there you go. Who cares? 
Who cares? Giulietta says, being half Italian, I feel it's my duty to advise you they're pronounced gnocchi, rhyming with hockey and a yummy. Off to Brum for the day. Oh, God, you poor soul. <laughs> a lot of people talking about... I've got so many good stories which we're going to run in the uh, in the extra podcast. I go back again to what I said about this big advert that appeared in all the colour magazines yesterday over buying a, a poppy from a company called Bradford Exchange. No money going to the Royal British Legion at all, and they're charging you for this uh, fifty about £57. And they go, your brooch is accompanied by a certificate of authenticity. What's that good? What, you, it, what, they're telling you it's a brooch. The hogwash they write in these adverts. And they say, now you can honour a loved one. Well, that's not honouring a loved one at all. Honouring a loved one is buying a poppy from the Royal British Legion. And that's the, uh, that's the place that you go to. That's the place you go to. Um, I haven't seen Glee. I did buy a box set of Glee. And to be honest with you... I'm none the wiser. I just thought it was, <coughs> excuse me, a lot of people uh, just miming badly. A little bit like the X Factor, actually. Some of them sound as though they're uh, as though they're multi-tracked. And then on the uh, uh, Tamara Foster, is this the one who thieves from shops? This is the one who thieves, and only in July. Here we are. We're only in November. No, October. Where are we? I don't know where we are at the moment. October. Still October. Unbelievable. And so she was thieving, and so she's had to apologise. I'm sorry. Anybody who thieves from shops, no chance. That's you out, as far as I'm concerned, completely. But apparently, she's revealed that last year's winner, James Arthur, asked her to marry him. Well, I mean, she's 16, he's 25. Somewhat a little bit tacky, I think. And uh, and Gary Barlow has blasted X Factor contestants who expect to be handed success on a plate. And he's absolutely right. You know, th- these people, they will do anything. Let's, let's face it, even in tomorrow's case, she'll shoplift. Was she the one who's also pictured with a gun or something? Or we've had these other... There's certainly some very strange... And I look at these people and I think, no, I'm sorry, if you're that low life and you thieve from shops, even though you've apologised afterwards... That's it. You've blown it, love, as far as I'm concerned. I, would, I couldn't trust you as far as I could throw you. You know, 84850. Very, very difficult. Very, very difficult to realise, you know, how these people... Because they live in this delusional world. They get their pictures taken and they then, they then go out there and they start believing the publicity that's written about them. And, of course, it's a load of old hogwash. A load of old hogwash. They will all disappear without trace. They will all disappear. Some of them, you know, try and cast your mind back. How many of the people who were on the X Factor are still going? And the answer, not very many of them. Not very many of them. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. We weave everything in on the programme. And uh, we shall do it all between now and 6.30. Jenny says, have you seen the new ship in the design stage called the Freedom Ship, which holds 50,000 passengers. Oh dear. There is one called The World. Have you ever seen that ship called The World? It's a huge ship. You can buy an apartment on it. And they're owned by a lot of rich people and the ship just keeps touring around. But the, but the majority of people who have apartments on there, I don't think live there all the time. I saw one that came up for sale a while ago. It did look lovely, but I'm not sure I'd want to be on a ship all the time. And it just goes round. So if they say today it's in you know, wherever, France, in Cannes, then you jet out to Cannes and you pick up the ship. But you own the apartment, but the uh, the charges are astronomical. But it's called The World. Check it out. Big ship. News is next. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. 
Morning at 45 past six, Monday morning, LBC 97.3 at Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. I trust you are well. You're not really, are you? It's Monday morning. You've had a nice weekend and you're thinking, I don't really want to go into work today, but I'm going to have to because that's what it is. Uh, lots of uh, stories in the papers today on Michael Lavelle. He fears that he's being followed. He's had to call the police. His car has been trashed. He's had death threats. And as I said at the beginning of the programme, God help him if he'd been found guilty. But he was found innocent, and that's what some people can't get over. And so you do get these internet trolls. And uh, on one of the papers, he said, uh, I'm going to move to Australia. And in one of the other papers, he said, no, he's not going to let these people beat him, which, of course, is absolutely the right way. What you do is you report them to the police, and the police will then uh, take issues with them. That's how it's uh, sorted out. Incidentally, uh, Farringdon Road southbound now open which is good. That's after nine and a half months closure. Terrible, isn't it, really? And uh, 84850, Jamie in Basingstoke. Says, as a dedicated podcast fan, I don't normally get the opportunity to hear you live. Fortunately, to did, fortunately today, I can. It's good, isn't it? I like the idea that people can listen live, as opposed to some people who just download the programme. We don't, mi- we don't mind you downloading. We're very happy for you to download, though. Thank you very much indeed. And Lloyd says, it's worth whatever it costs to text you. I first heard LBC as a young boy through the neighbour's wall in St John's Wood, and then caught up with you again in 84 when moved uh, back from Birmingham, and I've now got tickets for your magic show. Usually out running whatever the weather, then off to work in a rehab centre. Thank you, Lloyd. I like the idea that people listen to this programme while they're getting ready for work. It's not easy, is it? You have to kind of summon up the energy on a Monday morning. It's all right the time you get to Wednesday, you're kind of into it again, but on Monday morning it's a bit like... Everybody feels a bit exhausted. So there's this strange story on the front of the Daily Mirror today of a charity worker who claims he was sexually assaulted by a female soap star at the age of 16. Uh, He's now 48. So this is uh, 32 years ago. He says, she used me. I felt disgusted. We don't know who it is. Apparently she wasn't a big star then. Uh, She's an actress. Uh, He's never been able to shake off the disgust he felt after the woman who he says is now a household name. Now, of course, the intriguing thing is that everybody's going to start trying to guess who this could possibly be. There are no clues here at all. Uh, He's a dad of three. And he told officers that although he had sex with the star, he felt manipulated and coerced into it. I don't think you could coerce somebody into things like that, can you? Can you make somebody have sex? I don't know. Scotland Yard's Operation Utri have taken a statement from him and are conducting a second interview tomorrow. Um... He was a budding actor who came into contact with the woman who we've chosen not to identify again. So this is the... I mean, but I'm fascinated by this. Who? I mean, who could this person be? So, experienced woman. Although 30-something years ago, I don't know how old this woman is now. They don't actually say. And so they say she had sex with a, with a vulnerable person at 16. The trouble is nowadays, I know you might sort of think it's a little bit cynical to say it, but they're, they're not as vulnerable as you think at 16. They're having sex at 12, these, these kids nowadays, which I find quite frightening in itself. Things seem to have moved on a little, a little bit, but he's, uh, she, she grabbed my arm, pulled me into the bedroom and abused me. I never got over it. What was it, you know, a six-year-old boy, why not just run out? Why just not run out? And why leave it this amount of years? That's the, that's the strange thing, isn't it? Uh, 84850, steve at uk. We shall weave everything in on the programme for this morning. And, uh, and John says, talk about dodgy singing. 
We watched Les Mis on Friday, and after the initial impact of Russell Crowe singing, we were totally captivated for two and a half hours. But I cannot imagine any of the X Factor lot doing that kind of performance. They can't. Not one of them could ever survive. Even Susan Boyle was pushed into third place when she attempted to sing from Les Miserables with the cars. These are people who sing professionally every night of the week. They must sit there laughing their socks off at the X Factor. It's terrible. And uh, Tim Rice is opening a stage musical. I think it's previewing at the moment. It's called From Here to Eternity. Is it Darius Campbell in it? Oh, he's in it. Oh, right. Oh, interesting. Yes, I saw that it's up at the... Um, oh, Rock of Ages was there before it transferred over the road here to the, the Garrick. I can't remember, actually, which, uh, which one it is. Uh, and one here says, Deborah, wish my mum Barbara a happy 80th birthday. I can't believe she's 80 because she certainly doesn't look it. So she's got a party tonight. So uh, there you go. So if your name's Barbara and you're 80 today, it's you. So many happy returns of the day. Uh, if the X Factor could create a group bigger than the Spice Girls, it would be the Holy Grail. Well, the, the whole idea of the X Factor is, without putting too fine a point on it, it's to find a lot of dodgy people who you can manipulate, pretend that they can sing, because not many of them can. There's a few that can sing, but, you know, they've been under the radar for ages, or they're well-known, or they've been working as session singers. And then you put them on there and the public vote for them. But as I said earlier on this morning, if you look at the standard at the moment, and it's pretty poor, it's pretty poor. That's the best that they've managed out of all the people who auditioned. They show you all these people at the, you know, at the beginning, which, as Dawn has told you, they're not people who are auditioning for it. That's the audience queuing to go in to go and watch this stuff. And they go in there and it's beautifully put together. It's The lights are great. And Dermot O'Dreary's average. And, you know, it's great. They all sit there. They've all got their makeup on. I noticed it was very funny that when they were doing Sam Callahan, when you actually saw Sam without all his makeup on, he's just another spotty individual. By the time you saw him on the programme, where they literally must have troweled on the polyfiller, they try, try and make him out to be a little bit of a sex symbol. But he was just so, so plastic. It was sort of everything that you don't want. It almost looked like a kid who'd walked out of a stage school. He was going, yeah, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. And touch it. And you think, stop it. Stop it now. Learn how to sing, because singing you can't do. But Louis Walsh explained to us, singing ain't important. They're going on looks. If they think they can sell an album, although, to be honest with you, I mean, a whole album of this poor bloke singing, I think would be too much for anybody. Way too much for anybody. And there's nobody on there that I thought was actually worthy of a competition like this. And they have to sell albums. If they don't sell albums, they're out. We've seen it before. Psycho are not going to hang on to somebody. They'll do the tour. That's how they make the money. I should imagine the tours gross quite well. And it's a, it's a very nice thing to have. But at the end of the day, it's selling albums. And that's all they want to do. Uh, imagine, Steve, living in a world where everybody enjoyed going to work and Mondays were like Fridays. You see, I like... Um, I like Friday, but I like Monday as well. I'm quite good with the week. I like, I like planning the week out, and I like seeing what's, what's going on. And there is, there is something nice about getting up and going into work if you like your work. I appreciate the fact there might be those people listening who, who don't enjoy going into work. And I always say, well, change the job. If, if you're not happy doing something, change it. It must be awful going into a job and being thoroughly miserable for the day. It's like, I mean, I, I could be quite happy sort of serving bed and breakfast. I've been watching this four in a bed on the television. It's very stressful because some of these bed and breakfast places are filthy. Some of the breakfasts, though, look quite good. I'm always fascinated by the, by the breakfast, which is lovely. Um, Steve, Shaw Taylor, says Robert, is still alive and well and living out his retirement in the village, uh, well, I won't tell you where it is, on the northwest coast of the Isle of Wight. 
he still plays an active part in the rural community. He's close friends with Fred Dynage, still working for ITV as the ripe old age of 72. He said, and uh, he's a news anchor on ITV's Meridian Tonight, the regional news show for South and South East England. He says, don't forget to include us offshore overseas listeners on the uh, IOW and your listener ratings. Kind regards, Robert. I never forget any listeners, offshore or otherwise. I'm grateful for everybody. I'm grateful for everybody. As long as you remember to download the programmes. You did download this weekend, didn't you? You did download the... No, not you next door, you fool. I know you do. Because it was, a, it was a good one. Sheila Hancock. They're all good, actually. Sheila Hancock. And I think I know who's going to be doing this week. In fact, I can tell you who's actually going to be on this week's In Conversation. And the, the reason I can tell you that is because the, the producer sent me the details of it the other day. And I thought, that's actually quite clever. I didn't, I didn't know that we knew this early. Wait a minute. I, I could tell you exactly. You're going to love this. There you go. On Sunday, this coming Sunday, Helen Lederer... She's got a, a one-woman show coming up with other people helping out, which is good. She's only got two dates in November. And James Corden, the new film about Paul Potts, who has come out as well and said that when he was in his, uh, his cub troupe, he was sexually abused as well. So it's all there. James Corden, who was a fantastic guest, and Helen Ledger, who was just a lot. We just laughed a lot. It was like me and Sheila Hancock. We laughed a lot. So download Sheila Hancock and Jude Law. And this week, it's going to be James Corden... And Helen Lederer. Okay, that's coming up on In Conversation. Time now, quarter past six. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Monday morning, 6.20. I see there's a picture of, uh, not actually in any of the papers today, thank goodness, of Stella English. They now call her the Troubled Apprentice star. Let's just call her a bit false, shall we? Anyway, she was wearing uh, a velvet gown for a charity dinner. It's about the best she's going to get nowadays, I suppose, really. Saying that she's got no money, she's going to have to sign on. Oh, it's so awful, isn't it? Funnily enough, the bloke from Coronation Street was pictured in his car over the weekend, a £50,000 vehicle. How's he managing to drive that when you're bankrupt? Although the good news is, I was reading a story the other week about Kerry Katona house hunting. It'll only be to rent... Because as she's been declared bankrupt twice now, uh, nobody would give her a mortgage. Nobody would touch her with a barge pole. So she can only ever rent property. So that's, that's good news, isn't it? I'd hate the idea she moved in next to you and devalued your property. Nick will be talking about the energy crisis today. Now the Archbishop of Canterbury has waded into the, uh, into the, the crisis. Nick will be asking, was he fair to comment? Plus, why has Nick Clegg criticised free schools? Well, should Christians be allowed to have the day off on Sunday, Nick will be talking to one woman who's taking her fight to the High Court. She's a Baptist mum. She's a devout Christian. I never understand why people who are devout Christians always seem to be the one who are least charitable. She's a childcare worker, and uh, she doesn't want to work Sundays. In other words, everybody else has to do shift work. She doesn't want to do it. So if there's a vulnerable child, well, that's whistle, I suppose. She should, they should reasonably accommodate the Christian belief that the Sabbath is a day of rest. Says who? Vicars are working, churches are working, they're working places on a Sunday. Why should, why should people be off? If she wins at the Court of Appeal, the interesting thing is that other legal cases could follow uh, re-Muslims and Jews. Well, you know, I think people do bend over backwards to accommodate a lot of people nowadays. Whether she'll put her case well to Nick Ferrari this morning remains to be seen. Terry Sarderson, president of the National Secular Society, uh, says this has the makings of chaos in the workplace. 
She's expected to argue her human rights were breached. Oh, that old twaddle again. Oh, my human rights were breached. That's ridiculous. I mean, I'm beginning to think, actually, as a diabetic, I should be sort of saying, I don't think any chocolate should be on display in the canteen. I mean, one year, the, 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 the Christmas gift from the company, not within ten years, was a box of Quality Street, or a tin of Quality Street, which I have to be honest, we did all devour and, uh, and took great pleasure in doing so. But that, that was... And I should, I should have thought at the same time. I should have thought, wait a minute, diabetic, Quality Street. Suing. <laughs> I should think about this kind of thing. I'm sorry, why, why are they putting nice food in the canteen? It's a temptation. You know, diabetics should be thought of. I can't help it. Uh, growing number of prisoners forced to convert to Islam. That'll be one of the topics that Nick Ferrari will be talking about today. I mentioned Stella English, didn't I? Doing a, doing a, just turned up to a charity ball in Bournemouth, of all places, bless her heart. We know people in Bournemouth, so it's unfortunately, at least we've managed to get rid of her. But uh, not the most pleasant person. I didn't collapse because I'm pregnant. It was a panic attack, but I will not quit. The X Factor star Cece defiant after health scare. She is pregnant, and to be honest with you, I don't know what she's on doing on television anyway. I really don't need. But uh, Dr Donald Gibbs says if the pregnancy has been going well and she's a sensible person, there's no reason why she should have to quit at all. You just carry on, just take it easy. I just find it a bit embarrassing that the X Factor, they've got somebody who's pregnant on the programme at the age of 22. She fell ill during uh, rehearsal. Speaking after her release, she says... Uh, if I just give up, I'll be left in my council flat struggling again. She's 22 years old and she's managed to get herself a council flat. Fantastic. It's fantastic, honestly. You couldn't make it up, could you? The other two girls in the group, one's uh, 21 and the other one is 16. But uh, she says here, in case some of you are misunderstood, it was nothing to do with me being pregnant. No, we weren't misunderstood or cared, I'm afraid, Cece. I really didn't care at all about that. Couldn't care less about the whole thing. Uh, weather, don't need to tell you. You know, it's a little bit uh, a little bit rain. A little bit rain, which is not good. Teresa says, if Shaw Taylor's 72, I'm Dutch. I didn't say he was 72. No, we said you, you weren't listening. You weren't listening. We said Fred Dynage is 72. We have no idea how old Shaw Taylor is, and I wouldn't be so rude as to, uh, as to even insult him by guessing his age. Uh, other stories of the paper today. Quickly, 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 let's run through. Front page, Coven Kerry, I'm fleeing to Oz after death threats. He was going there on holiday anyway, so it's a bit of a non-event. I love the story. It was at the front of one of the Sunday papers. They found Madeleine McCann, and it wasn't. It was a picture of this little blonde girl found in this Roman gypsy camp uh, with a couple who are not her biological parents. So they're trying to find out where she's gone. They're in court today. Uh, Daily Star, Amanda Holden, as she lay in a hospital bed. Jimmy Savile tried to molest her. You so I get so angry every day now when you read about Jimmy Savile and you think it's such a shame he's dead. Such a shame that he's dead and he's not here to answer anything. Michael Lavelle, terrified after being bombarded with sick death threats. It'll be the internet trolls, and you don't worry about them because they're generally people you can get into court fairly quickly, so that's not uh, difficult. The front page of the Mail today, Tesco admitting that two-thirds of its bagged salads end up in the bin. You know, because they're offering buy one, get one free, and people buy it, but then they don't want to do with it. Who wants salad two days running? Not very exciting. Secrets of the abducted Maria's gypsy life. The little girl made to dance, presumably for money. It's a bit sad and sick, I'm afraid. The Sun, Lavelle, thugs are trying to kill me. His car's been vandalised, and he now thinks that people are after him as well. He thinks he's being followed, so he's now becoming paranoid as well. And this is a man who was, uh, who was uh, found not guilty. Uh, Peter O'Toole. Pictured in the uh, papers tonight, uh, preparing to go on stage as Hamlet the first night 50 years ago. He's a reclusive actor. He's now 81. He's declined 
to be part of the theatre's celebrations to mark the anniversary, which begin tomorrow with a visit by the Queen. Very interesting. Um, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> Sorry. Do beg your pardon. <laughs> Sneezing twice. I'm not sure what that means. And uh, here she is, Emma Thompson. Always got a nice winning smile as Emma Thompson. Uh, at the premiere last night in Leicester Square of Saving Mr Banks, in which she plays P.L. Travers. Brian Sibley wrote about uh, P.L. Travers because he was going to write the follow-up to Mary Poppins. They sat down and they had collaboration. And it never came to anything, which is a shame. But they were then... Say, so now they're, they're looking at the troubles in this film, which is Saving Mr Banks, of how Disney actually got Mary Poppins to the screen. Nobody appeared to like anybody at all, I'm afraid. But uh, Emma Thompson is practically perfect in every way. She played Nanny McPhee, for goodness sake. And that's, uh, that's about as good as it gets. Uh, and on finding his pupils had no idea how to play Conkers, John Catamole, in Cambridgeshire, is now sort of having Conker classes. Couldn't make it up, could you, really? Couldn't make it up, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850... StephenLBC.co.uk. And finally, the front page of the Express, Harry's girl, too shy to be at the uh, Prince George christening. This must be Cressida Bonus. The Great British Bake Off, why everybody is a winner. I believe that Paul Hollywood is going to be dragging his weary carcass around the, uh, around the country, obviously trying to capitalise as quickly as possible after the demise of his show in America. Many people go over to America from here and they just don't make it. The Americans just don't take to them. Why? Because they've got people like that over there. They've got a million and one. You've got an attractive girl, they've got 50. You know, you've got somebody with a personality who sings and dances, they've got 100. The alert is as 80-mile-an-hour winds sweep in. The uh, destruction yesterday in Hampshire, little mini-tornado going on there. And house prices up, 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 which is all good news. Have yourself a wonderful day. I'm sorry it's Monday. I wish I could be bringing you better news and telling you it's Friday and that we're all getting ready to prepare for the weekend again. But that would mean we're ever nearer to Christmas, which we're not far off. Winter Wonderland opens, I think, 22nd of November, same time as the lights go on in Twickenham. So Winter Wonderland, 22nd of November. The lorries will be in very shortly. Can't wait. Can't wait. Have a great day. I'm back with you tomorrow morning. Free podcast up very, very shortly, uh, within the half hour. Nick and the team at seven next. The morning news with Lisa Aziz.